Hello and welcome to Media Made, the show in which we year by year explore the movies, music, and TV that most invaded our lives. I'm your host, Danger Rodney, and I'm joined by... An accountant, Jess. The shop owner next door, <laughs> Jess. I don't know, I'm between jobs right now, <laughs> Jess. Oh, Hello, welcome to Media Made. If you're new to the show, let me explain, Jess and I, what we have done. Uh, what, for one thing, we talk movies, music, and TV. This week, we're talking about TV, TV from the year 2000 specifically. So what Jess and I have done is we've looked at a list of every television show released in the year 2000 uh, from all regions that were relevant to us, and we decided which one each of us have watched the most in our lives. Um, I have watched my show several times over. Uh, same for you. Ew, why? Why? <laughs> we'll talk about it. Why? We'll talk about you it. You know, sometimes... Delving into the the show, these the, the things that this show brings out, I wonder had I, I known before if I would have even befriended you. I apologize ahead of time, but we're, we'll talk my show in the segment too. I mean, we don't have to get to the second segment. <laughs> it's like the second segment will be a media made dark, you know. It's yeah. Kind of, you know, after dark. Yeah. You know, we'll talk, you know, talk about some unpleasantries, but uh, <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get. There. Don't want to get there. Get out of the car before we're there. Well, your show. Your show's. Fine. It's fine. Well, it's continuing a trend from the last few TV episodes. Uh, we are once again w- watching a British production. Has uh, it lost? Yeah, I guess the tri- the tribe was British. Oh uh, yeah, that's true. We we talked uh, Pride and Prejudice at some point in the nineties. We 90s. did. We did. This is not our first British show. No, it's and it not. won't be our last. It's. I feel like I have a good mix of like American and fl- foreign shows. Yeah, you're a you're a globetrotter. <laughs> I was heaven, baby. I've had some am- or I've I've had some anime, but Me for too. the most part, I've j- strictly been United States yeah. programming. But yeah, American shows, baby. <laughs> Give me that flavor of the world, baby. Well, let's talk your show. What All show right. is that? Debuting September 29th, two thousand on Channel Four, created by Dylan Moran and Graham Linehan, starring Dylan Moran, Bill Bailey, and Tamson Gregg. That show is Black Books. So the theme song for Black Books, your show. It's moody and guitar-y. It's, it's, it's fine. <laughs> it's a little like sloppy. It's like a sloppy guitar, but I think it works for the main character. Everything He's is a sloppy, sloppy man. about the show. Yeah. So tell us, so where where did you discover black books? College. <laughs> April. Immediately. Obviously. Not the month, the person. Um, on, actually, I think this was post-college. I was introduced to IT crowd first, and I couldn't get into IT crowd. I there's, didn't there's like There's connections it. there. <laughs> same, same creator. I believe that. Um, I didn't really care for IT crowd for that much, but Netflix had black books, and I liked like British humor. So I was like, oh, let me give it a chance. And I fell in love with the show. I was like, oh my gosh, it's the best. It's so funny. It's up your speed. It's a, it's a black comedy, very sarcastic. It's super sarcastic. Um, yeah, so I just watched it, and then I showed to other people who I know liked IT Crowd. And freaking 
the mighty boosh. I hate the mighty boosh. <laughs> we will never talk about the mighty boosh. Did you, uh, did you watch the show more than once? Yeah. Yeah. Because I like watching it with people and it's so short. It's a very short show, kids. It is. It is three series long, I believe. And like totally in like 30 episodes. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> that's like this. That, that's the, the case with a lot of British shows, though. You know? Many series. Yeah, in and yeah, out, yeah. you know. Mm hmm. Uh, yeah, I had never heard of the show before we embarked on this project. <laughs> uh, so this is my first time viewing it. And it, I, yeah, it was I, fine. Yeah. The first episode is not as strong as I remember it being, but the show in and of itself is really fun. I like, I like the, the concept and I enjoy like the main character is, you know, very unique. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. can see why they wanted to build a show around that guy. <laughs> uh, but I, I recognize the main actor, Dylan uh, Moran. Uh, he's from... Uh, I, I recognize him from Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. Uh, he plays the nerdy friend, the jealous friend. <laughs> he makes it to the end. He likes Shaun's girlfriend. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I guess uh, we can jump into the, the the making of Black Books okay. before we talk about the show proper. Sure. Irish comedian Dylan Moran got his start in comedy in 1992 at the age of 20, performing stand-up at Dublin's Comedy Cellar. In addition to performing at various festivals around the world over the next several years and headlining his own tour in 1997, Moran became one of the youngest performers ever to win the Perrier Comedy Award, the most prestigious comedy prize in the UK. Dang. We've, we've kind of had a slew of young people doing big things lately on the show. So he, he was a he was a comedy legend by this point. You know, I, I, I bet his comedy is fun. You know, very dry and, and like just cynical. <laughs> Feels like he would do comedy in a smoke-filled pub. <laughs> Moran landed his first television role in 1998 as the lead in the BBC sitcom How Do You Want Me? I don't, thank you. Yeah, you ever heard of no. that show? No, I have not. I watched the trailer for it, and it seemed like very, like it had a little bit of cynicism and sarcasm in it, but it seemed pretty straight, like mm. like almost twee, I guess, like fluffy, lighthearted. Ah, yeah. You know? Okay. Uh, so it, it, he, it seemed odd for him to be in it. Yeah. That, that was my impression. Maybe I'm wrong. But oh, know, I if, don't. I guess. If you, any of you listeners out there have watched How Do You Want Me? Uh, let us know. Tell me what it's like. I honestly think, I honestly think comedians make really good dramatic actors. Not all of them. Well, this was a sitcom but, though. Oh, then. Yeah, I don't know. Yeek. From there, he developed and wrote his own television pilot for Channel 4 about a depressed, bitter, alcoholic, chain-smoking, and misanthropic bookshop owner named Bernard Black. Oh, what was that show called? Uh, <laughs> Black Books. <laughs> uh, the idea was reportedly based on a dream Moran had in the mid-80s. Oh, wow. Yeah, so he'd been wanting to make this show or story about a, a bad bookshop owner. For years. Yeah. Of the concept of Bernard owning a bookshop, Moran said, quote, Running a secondhand bookshop is guaranteed commercial failure. Mm. <laughs> it's, it's a whole philosophy. There were bookshops that I frequented and was always struck by the loneliness and doggedness of those men who piloted this death ship. Ooh. It was, like, it was like you're watching the death of an enterprise if you work at a secondhand bookshop. Oh, that's... Uh, I mean, I'm thinking about all the secondhand bookshops that I know, and I'm like... They do seem lonely. They do. It, it's one of those things where like, ooh, books, let's go in. And it's just. The sad old man. And not always a man. Not always sad. But always only two other people in the shop. 
quietly avoiding each other. Stacks of books on the desk. Everywhere. Yeah, like we have we have a used bookstore in our like downtown area yeah. that we would go in every so often. Yeah. Know? It's, it's we like, never buy anything. That's true. That's the thing. Like I was like, the, the specific thing is like you go, you browse around, you, look you didn't at, really you look come. at the comic strips on the on the, the, the shelves. Yeah, you didn't really come. you just came to peruse. You didn't come with a book in mind. And then you leave. Yep. Eek. So it seems like the perfect place to have a s- snarky, sarcastic main character for a sitcom, I guess. Yeah, I guess. I feel like we should purchase books from... I, we don't have room for books in this apartment. <laughs> uh, this pilot was notably darker than the sitcom that eventually aired. It reportedly revolved around the two lead main characters contemplating suicide and ended with 16 students actually following through with it. No. It was like they... I, I read like what a brief- kind of dream did you have, kid? <laughs> I, I read a synopsis of it. It was like their contemplating suicide gave rise to a death cult. It like they they got it got out of hand, and they're like, no, we need to stop. I could see where that could be. We, I could see where the comedy could go through yeah, that. We need, we need knowing to stop what the- Black Books actually is. I was like, I could see how they, but no, <laughs> no, 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 no. We need to uh, put an end to this this ritual suicide but oh man we, we didn't we didn't happen it didn't happen <laughs> i'm glad cooler heads prevailed on that one the pilot was featured in the 1998 channel 4 sitcom festival in riverside studios uh where it caught the eye of television writer graham linehan then best known for the acclaimed sitcom father ted have you ever, ever seen father no. ted i was literally going every what? every like review or uh, preview for black books mentioned how good father Ted was. Uh, so it was like from the mind, the mind of the brilliant father Ted, you know, so <laughs> apparently it's good. All right. I'm not going to watch it <laughs> at the suggestion of producer William Burdett Coots. Linehan was recruited to co-write a full series based on the pilot alongside Moran. Nice. And uh, just to get this out of the way, we're going to, I'm going to put this here uh, because you know, uh, obviously Linehan was a chief creative mind for this show. Uh, Linehan has since to go on to be a vocal, inactive uh, bigot. Mm. Uh, yeah. So uh, I do not condone his behavior in recent years. No. Uh, nor do I support it. So uh, I just want to leave that out there. Uh, you can do your own research and form your own opinion. But uh, now we will separate him from the work. Exactly. Goodbye, sir. That's that's the <laughs> point. Yep, that's it. So it's like any praise we, we lavish on this show, uh, we do not also wish to you know, support his recent endeavors, I guess. Ideologies. Yeah. Uh, The series characters were all conceived by Moran, but they were further developed by Moran and Linehan through a process called spitballing, which involved talking spontaneously to each other in character. So yes, that is what spitballing is. Yep. So was that, was that in your research? Yeah. Yeah. They, they was that the first time spitballing was, I don't know. That's interesting that they decided to, Tell you what spitballing was. It's like all the, you know, they, they, it was referenced in many places where it was like they developed these characters through spitballing. So uh, I guess I had to mention it, but that's black books. Yeah. Also, can we just real quick, spitballing is a disgusting term. <laughs> just the word. Uh, stop. <laughs> stop it now. <laughs> They're all dead, Dave. I'm sorry. <laughs> Completely different. Shout out to our 1988 TV episode. Maybe. Red Dwarf. Red anyway, Dwarf. but yeah. we're talking about Black Books. Different color. Yeah. So uh, we watched the first episode of Black Books, mm-hmm. which is called Cooking the Books. 
which is a good title. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Very clever. That is clever. I didn't know. I mean, I knew I, I didn't know it had a title. I was just like, yeah, the first episode. But yes. that's a good title. So <laughs> obviously we can't talk about the whole series, even though like, you know, some British shows are short enough where we could have yeah. conceivably done that. But no, uh, the episode would have went. This podcast would have been way too long. So yep. we're going to talk about the first episode and uh, go on from there. So w- let's meet our characters. Okay. Main character. Bennett. Bernard Black. Uh, he's obviously in the very, he's like the first character you see. He's this, he, he just looks bored. He's a bored, sad, like miserable bookshop owner. He, okay, the first moment we see him, he's a little annoyed. He's on the phone and some rude guy is like, uh, hello, H- hi, yeah, I need your attention. Like, I'm on the phone. We were sitting there and you were watching it and you said out loud, he's on the phone. You were so irritated. Yeah, and Bernard like <laughs> writes a note on a sticky note and sticks it to his face and it says on the phone. <laughs> but this is the exchange we get after he hangs up the phone. Those books, how much? Hmm? Those books, leather bound ones. <clears throat> yes, Dickens, the collected works of Charles Dickens. They're real leather? They're real Dickens. I have to know if they're real leather because they have to go with a sofa. Everything else in my house is real. Give you 200 for them. 200 what? 200 pounds. Are they leather bound pounds? No. Sorry, I need leather bound pounds to go with my wallet. Next. Bernard seems very uh, rude to almost everyone who wants to buy something at his shop. Super flippant. Like, boy. Do you have money? <laughs> Are your parents rich? It's like it's self it's self sabotage. Yeah, know? he's like he wants this business to fail. Yeah, he doesn't want customers. Why? He doesn't want frequent customers. He doesn't want to take people's money. He just wants them to leave him alone. <laughs> leave me alone in my shop with my alcohol and like, my cigarettes. Like pretty soon after this, like he just decides oh, it's two p.m. Everyone out. Yeah, <laughs> I'm closed. He literally pushes people out with a broom. He's like, no, nope, we're done now. In, the, in a like a, a megaphone. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, he's yeah. Like, Everybody out, get out. But it's barely 2 p.m. Get out. <laughs> also, uh, that clip, uh, especially listening to it, audio only, uh, I can't I can't ignore the laugh. <laughs> I can't ignore the laugh track. It's uh it's it's a little strange in this show specifically because we are right at the the tail end of the prominence of the laugh track. Obviously, the laugh track would stick around, uh, right, at least right. in American TV on like all the CBS sitcoms, like freaking uh Mike and Molly and uh Big Bang Theory like King of Queens those shows had laugh tracks but by by the by 2010 that was outdated like they were they were old looking and sounding shows <laughs> whereas more modern sitcoms ditched the laugh track yeah you know and they would be ditching the laugh track around this point you know within a few years a lot of the leading sitcoms would not have at least especially like the revolutionary ones they wouldn't have laugh tracks anymore so it seems odd that this one has a laugh track, even though it's it's more the writing is more modern and clever than your standard sitcom. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It was yeah. just like I, I hate laugh tracks. I wonder what this would be like without a la- like what would the music or the sound be under it? Like some of the things I'm like, ooh, I think it needs something. There's a lot of dead air because it's a lot of just like dry, like it obviously has the dry British. Yeah. Wit, but 
Yeah. So I'm just like, ooh. I don't Bernard know. Bernard is more, even more dry than the driest of British wit. Yes. So I was like, oh, this one might need the laugh track. Maybe tone down a little bit, but uh, no, I think. I, th- I think it's honestly, I, I, I can't stand it in some scenes. It's just like, I, was like, I mean, that's fair. That's fair. There's sometimes where it doesn't need to be there. That's why I toned down. Yeah. But there are places where I'm like, no. It, like, without a laugh track, it wouldn't be a comedy. It'd just be dark. Like, you would still, like, laugh at things. But, it like, it's it's when I watched Heather for the, Heather's for the first time, I didn't realize it was a dark comedy. And I was horrified. You're playing everything straight? Uh, yes. Yeah. I just thought the whole thing. I was like, what is happening? Going back, knowing it was a dark a comedy. It was supposed to be a comedy. I was like, I get it. I see those. I see it. I see it. But, like... Without the laugh track here, it, I would, I would probably be like, I don't know. I'd laugh a little bit at the like, I need leather, I need leather bound notes to go with my. But like some of the other stuff, I'd be like, mm, is he okay? <laughs> I get it. I, I mean, it. he's not. <laughs> but I don't know that I would laugh at it. I guess maybe the laugh track gives you the okay to also laugh at him. Yeah. Whereas under normal circumstances. Under normal circumstances, you just feel bad for him. Yeah, exactly. Let's get some help. <laughs> get some help, buddy. Um, another thing about this show feeling both old and new at the same time is the show is shot like a traditional multi-cam sitcom where they have multiple cameras set up on a stage. Right. And they just kind of let the scene play out where the actors kind of dictate the the scene. Mm-hmm. And they just use different camera angles to do it. Right, right, right. Uh, but they also have scenes where rather than looks like it was shot on a set, like the 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 bookshop is a set, like mm-hmm. a normal sitcom set. There are other times where they're in like office buildings or um, that they, they film the hospital. Yeah, those scenes on are shot <laughs> on the street. Those scenes feel like they were shot single cam. Yeah, where we're we're at a point in TV history where we're moving gradually away from the multi cam setup to the single cam. Yeah. Uh, so this show seems like it's straddling the line where. Sometimes it looks very much just like a standard multicam sitcom from the 80s and 90s, you know, mm-hmm. uh, whereas there are other scenes that looks like a more modernized sitcom with more dynamic camera angles, you know, shot, reverse shot, uh, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So interesting. Interesting. It's a little off putting, to be honest. I, I noted it when we thought we watched it. I yeah. Was just like, like, it just seems it seems discordant, <laughs> you know. Like it, it's both modern and it's, of it's the time. It's the like transformative period. It's yeah, like yeah. If so, you looked inside the cocoon and you saw half jelly, half <laughs> butterfly. Like, so, some scenes are, some scenes have aged poorly. Yeah. And then other scenes have, you know, kind of, they look, you know, modern. I will say some scenes where they were like in the hospital where it was really close to their faces in the single cam shots, it almost felt like, are you supposed to, do you have a permit? <laughs> do you have a permit to film here? They probably Cause do. You, Cause you guys are really holding this very close to each other's face. Like you're hiding it. No, I don't know. Anyway. anyway. <laughs> uh, we, we very soon meet our second lead character. Mm-hmm. Who is that? Manny. Manny. Uh, in this, in this scene, I don't think they've met each other, Bernard and, no. and Manny. So this is their first meeting. Yes. Hello. Hello. Do you have the little book of calm? I need the little book of calm. Do you have it? I, I need it. I'm, I'm late for work. The, the, 
Calm. Uh, a little more. A little uh, more. Uh, is, is this it? Oh, no, 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 it's just, just too, too big. Too big. Little, just a little. Uh, just more. This one? This one? What? Is it just... No, no. Calm. <laughs> the little book of calm. Uh, the little one. This? That's the one. Yes. All right. Money. Okay. Money. So, like, the question is, is... It, Manny's looking for the little book of calm. Yes. Uh, which is literally a tiny book that yes. says the little book of calm. Like I think it's supposed to be making fun of like like coffee table books. Yeah. It's like it's like a pocket uh size book of nice advice. Par- parabolas. <laughs> Wait. Parables <laughs> or or proverbs? Yeah. Kind of yeah. They're all like, you know, very simple things like try to laugh. Think of happy days, you know, <laughs> just like that. Actually, yeah. yeah. It, it, anyway, um, I was gonna say, is Bernard trying to be combative in that, you know, or be difficult because he's just like, oh, is this what? Like, he seems like he's doing it on purpose, mm-hmm. you know? Like, oh, he- absolutely. He's mocking this man who is very uncalm, like rude. Yeah, he's just, he's just like, again, it's self sabotage. Like, he's, he's, he's purposely being difficult with every customer that comes in because mm-hmm. he doesn't want their business. He wants them to leave him alone. Yeah. So they can, I, don't, I could assume, go out of business and starve on his own. So that he could just be alone with his drink. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he at least takes a little bit more, not interest in Manny, but like there's a little bit like less of a antagonism. Yeah. Like you are beneath me, scum, and more like, Dance for me, small frog. And, and a, but he <laughs> Which is not still that good. He resents all business. It's, yeah. It's very, like, funny in a... Like, I'm not like... It's not like ha-ha funny. It's just like... It is... You're you're correct. It's not ha-ha funny. But it, it's like one of those things where, like, when you step, by and re- step back and relate it to yourself, like, I hate all work. I need it to survive, though. But it, I mean... Like, I- when I think about it, it's it's amusing because it's like I relate when I really think about my life, right? Yeah, it's like, exactly. You know, one of my jobs is I report about video game news, right? But whenever, like, it's whenever a news story pops up, it's like I I I think to myself, I don't want to do this. <laughs> you know, it's like, can we like not? <laughs> exactly. It feels like that. Like, there's just sometimes when you're like at your job and you're somebody brings you a thing, and for a split second, you just want to be like, no, shove it, like. Bernard gives you resent, words to that. Resent us. all work. You know? Res- we do resent all work. What do you want to be doing? I don't know. Chilling, drinking something, sitting on my couch, not dealing with you and the problems that you've brought to me. Yep. But but Manny gets his little book of calm. He does. I'll do your receipt. No, no, no I don't need a receipt. That's, That's fine. broken. I'll, I'll just have to write one out. Please. Little... <laughs> look, I'll do it. Off. Calm. Do the 50. Thank you. Um, look, uh, stroke of, no, no, uh, uh, trifle, eat a trifle, no, let, 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 let go once in a while. You are a loose lily floating down an amber river. (sighs) (sighs) Sorry, I hate my job. (laughs) Sorry, that's, 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 that's perfect. (laughs) That's what he does to get through his bad job is he reads sweet nothings out of a little book. I mean, to remain calm. We all need something to keep us from the edge. Flipping our lid. I'm one step closer to the edge, and I'm about to little book of calm. <laughs> that you know, we talked about that song with our music episode from 2000, uh, which was about uh, the Lincoln Park song about 
just shut up. We're not talking to you. Just shut up. Everyone, <laughs> everyone just shut up. Yep. Maybe that was a thing going on in the year 2000. Yeah. It's just like this resentment towards everybody. It's just like everyone's too busy and annoying. And we just want peace and calm. That's fair. We just want some gosh dang peace and quiet. <laughs> change your, change your, change the song on your playlist. I was like for that. 2000 to that. That song related to my mom. <laughs> around this time because my older sister was listening on the radio and uh my mom was just like that's how i will feel at work <laughs> she was a supervisor at a certain parcel company and she wished she could tell everyone to shut up when i'm talking to you <sighs> sometimes though you're like hi can i just participate in this conversation it's not a conversation you're just gonna talk down is that what okay shut up <laughs> so yeah the, this show for for manny and for bernard is uh I'm one step closer to the edge and I'm about to break. Yeah. <laughs> Everything you say to me pushes me one step closer to the edge. I'm about to break. Every Ooh. customer that walks in that door. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But uh, the third third lead, because the show basically has three leads from yeah. what I understand. And who's the third? The shopkeep next door. Her name is Fran. Fran! Fran, do you want this? Buy this. What is it? It's a thing. Is it? <laughs> yes. What does it do? It's very in. You don't know what it is, do you? It's, it's, it's very now. Listen, will you just pop next door and mind the shop for half an hour? I have to see my accountant. Bernard, will you get an assistant so I don't have to do this all the time? Oh, but, yeah, actually, I will do it this one time. But you have to do the same for me uh, day after tomorrow. Okay, why? Well, you know my pal Julie? Yeah. They're inducing the baby on Wednesday, and uh, she's asked me to be birth partner. So the, the, the thing that she's trying to sell to Bernard... Bernard uh, when I, I keep saying Ber his name differently every time. <laughs> I, I'm just gonna I say, only ever say Bernard. It's going to happen. So I'm going to say Bernard or Bernard or I, Bernard. <laughs> I only ever say Bernard. <laughs> what, whatever it is. It's just me being me. <laughs> um, <Call him> Bernie. <laughs> Bernie. I like that. Good old Burns. Um, she's, it's like a spherical thing with a but, spout on it and like little There's legs. like two or three spouts. It, it's just... It's odd looking, and sh the whole episode—that's her her arc. Other than the 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 baby thing, the Just birth partner thing, trying to figure out what this thing is. Yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> it's very in. What is it? It's it's very now. You have no idea what it is. <laughs> so that, that that honestly, that was the big uh, mystery for the episode for me. I was I was very excited to find out what the thing was. <laughs> to be honest, were you? Yes. I remembered. I was like, all oh, right, it's that. Still, I knew how it was going to be revealed, and that was fun. And then, also in that clip, Bernard <laughs> it said that he has to uh, go see his accountant, and that yeah. kind of me, I'm his accountant. No, oh, that that propels forward the plot, yeah, for for the next few acts, I guess. Yeah, uh, but also I got one more frame clip here. Okay. Yeah, that's going to be very intense. There's going to be a lot of blood and a lot of shouting, and uh... oh no 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 no, I'll just get drunk. <laughs> in fact. She'll be on drugs. I'll be drunk. It'll be just like the old days. Okay. Well, have a nice time. Bye. I think that was the moment while we were watching it when I was like, this scene felt very much like good doggy from uh, the room. Yeah, they, 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 they just... <laughs> there are conversation. There are some scenes where... And I, I mentioned this, and there's another scene also uh, with Manny and his boss at his job. Mm -hmm. It feels like two characters are having a con having two sides of a conversation, but they're not having the same conversation. 
Yeah. It's it's really disjointed. And you said this scene makes you feel like a scene from the 2003 film The Room. We'll be talking about it, kids. No, we won't. <laughs> Shh. Spoilers. Starring uh, Tommy Wiseau. Uh, the, the movie is outrageous. It's, it's one of the best worst movies ever made. But there are scenes where you're just like, everyone's talking nonsense. Yeah. It, nothing makes sense. And, and there are some exchanges in this show where it just kind of, it doesn't feel quite right. What kind of drugs, Denny? But like what she said was funny. Yeah. It'll be like, it'll be like, just like college. It's just, it's just, just like the old days. Yeah. I'll be drunk. She'll be, let's try that. When, uh, when eventually, uh, I have to be someone's birthing partner. I'll get really drunk. They'll be on drugs and it'll be a, a grand on time. <laughs> uh, and then the, 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 the scene ends. It also begins this way with Bernard walking into her shop. Cause she runs like a new agey gadget. It's called things. <laughs> It kind of reminds, it's, it's over like uh, the, the, what's the, what was that like as seen on TV type store? Yeah, the, it's no, called as seen on no, TV. No, 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 the sharper image. Remember the sharper uh, image stores? Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it, it might be a, a parody of the sharper image <laughs> because could. I feel like the sharper image existed from like this point. At least we had one in our mall for a while. It was like around 2000 to like 2007 and then it just went away. <laughs> like, we, and no, no one ever thought of the sharper image again. <laughs> Until this very moment. So yeah, the, she runs a little store like that. Um, but she's got beads hanging from the door. Mm -hmm. Like rather than a door itself, it's just beads hanging down like a curtain. Yeah. And so he, every time he walks through, fights him. Uh, he like you know flails <laughs> through them which i it seems like just the thing that dylan moran just thought of to do you know so it's it's very it's like some physical comedy which it's is like, funny don't touch me like bernard is cynical and sad and just kind of put upon all the time but he there are some times where he he's a real goof yeah where like his goofy side comes through like yeah. he'll he'll do like a goofy smile or he'll do the little you know physical comedy stuff where he's it makes Bernard more uh, definitely likable. Yeah, I was more relatable. Say definitely likable. That's the reason we're not like, bro. What's wrong with you? Well, we do, we do think that, but there are the moments where you're just like, he's a little over the top. <laughs> yeah, when and he's like, rude yeah. to his customers, I don't like him. But yeah. then, like, there are other times where he gets more vulnerable, like this. You know, where he's oh, you're just like stupid, <laughs> baby. Sad. You're a old man, baby. Man. Yeah, yeah. You're a man, baby. Uh, so what happens next? Um, Bernard goes to his tax man, his accountant, to get his accounts in order because it's tax season. So, show me your new filing system, Bernard. This is March <laughs> to uh, Boobly Boo. This is Misk, and, and, and the rest are uh, other. <laughs> other what? Other weeks? Other backdated weeks, is it? No. Other times. times. So it goes this week, very recent, and all other times. Basically, he just pulls crumpled papers out of his, his pocket and slams them on the desk for his accountant to figure out. Look, if I was your accountant, I would just let the IRS have you. I don't know what the UK equivalent of IRS is, but let them have you. <laughs> it seems like doing your taxes in the UK is just as complicated as it is here in the US. You know, according to John Oliver. Some, maybe John Oliver, some countries, the government does the taxes, sends you the paperwork, and you just look over it and be like, yep, that's correct, or no, that part isn't correct. Japan Do specifically. Japan, it's like, they send you a form. Is this correct? You sign it, and you send it back. That's taxes. <sighs> Why can't that be our taxes? 
I love our tax guy. He does a great job. Yes. But it'd be nice not to have to do it. Well, here's the thing. So for our tax guy, I don't show up. We don't show up to his house and I give him crumpled papers. That's also true. expect him to figure it out. I, I, he's even called me on it a few times. He's like, hey, can you like label these a little better next time? And I, and I do. I try. Yeah. Unlike Bernard here, this apparently is an ongoing issue. I would drop. You would not be my. I have friends that are accountants. They would fire you. They would fire you from being their clients. <laughs> well, luckily, Bernard doesn't even have to be fired to lose his accountant. What happens? <laughs> his accountant is uh, under investigation. Maybe. We're not sure. We're not told. But the police show up. <laughs> Hello? Yes, Jane. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. He's shredding papers. <laughs> Bernard, I've just got to pop off. What now? Yeah, I'll see you soon. All right. Bye. Jumps out the window. It's always my step ahead. The cat has left the basket. The cat has left the basket. <laughs> the accountant flo- flies the coop. And uh, chased by way too many cops. The police just barge into the office and like, oh, he's not here. Out through the window. So poor Bernard now has to spend the rest of the episode trying to do his own taxes. Ugh, a fate worse than death. Uh, should I play that clip? <laughs> I'm not doing my accounts. Why? Because you can stick it up your ass. Bernard, you'll just have to do them yourself. I mean, it's quite easy. Yeah. Give it, give it a go. Sure, I could. I'm sure I could muddle along. Actually, fade to black. Fuck! <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> no, what? <laughs> if you live in a council flat beside a river, but are not blind, what? I think that was the first genuine laugh that I got from the show up to that point. You know, it's like it was mildly amusing up to that point, but that that first like that was a good edit, good writing. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I could do it. <laughs> and then him reading, if you are blo- what? <laughs> I I have done my own taxes once. I did it one year as a learning experience. I went and saw a ta- like I went to my parents' tax guy and we we talked and he's like, okay, it's good, you know here how much I I charge for my services and I was you know not making just that money. I think I was yeah in college not making a lot of money at all and I was like I don't know if I could like pay for this guy's services, you know, with mm. the money I have saved up. And he says, well, you know, you could try doing it yourself. You know, it might be a good learning experience for you. <laughs> so I, I did. And I didn't even use TurboTax. I did it pen and paper style Ooh. with the forms. And yeah, it's complicated, like needlessly. So yeah, <laughs> it like asks a bunch of questions that are word worded very poorly because they don't update their forms. Yeah, so I'm, I'm sure I did my pet taxes horribly and probably <laughs> got a really meager return. But, uh, you know, I did it. And uh, I relate to poor bernard here. this poor guy yeah it's it sucks doing your own taxes yeah, yeah. i've never done them. and then like the next year is like TurboTax made it way easier like ah this one this is the way TurboTax and sucks don't use it uh i think you know if like you our re- tax guy's na- number is 555-5535 call him yep <laughs> we, we call him mr tax <laughs> no but yeah yeah like legit like almost all taxes <laughs> In the U.S., I guess, you know, for us speaking, it, it's horrible. Yeah. It's a horrible system, and this episode makes it seem like the U.K. is the same way. Yeah, Everything. Nothing is inevitable. Wait. Every... Wait. There's a saying. Death and taxes. 
Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what both what both to are say inevitable. Yeah. Yes. There are only two certainties in life. Death and taxes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh but poor Bernard is trying to get out of doing taxes in any way. It's yeah. like what whatever distraction that comes his way that he'll use that as an excuse not to do his taxes. Things that you know, which it's it's funny the things that he chooses to do because you're like it's very obvious. They make it very obvious that he's like, I'm doing this not because it needs to be done. I would rather do anything. I would rather do even the most unpleasant things. Yeah. Than do my taxes. What's your mother's maiden name? What's, what's her first name? I just knew it was Ma. Ma. Nothing have to do. Ma. Ma. Possibly deceased. Did your non-returnable outgoings for the first half of the year exceed your deductions for quarterly VAT returns? <laughs> Cut to him folding his clothes. Right. That's all my socks paired. Back to the accounts. He literally matched all of his loose socks. Who does that? You just throw them in the in the drawer. You just throw them in the drawer. Well, you do it when you're doing the laundry no if it's a loose sock and you don't know where the other you just throw it in the drawer or throw it away (laughs) are you a psycho (laughs) you're not allowed to do the laundry anymore so that's just like one little thing he does is like all right i'll I'll go fold my socks rather than do my taxes yeah he also calls his mom that goes wonderfully hello ma it's bernard no nothing's wrong Come on, I don't need an excuse to call my mother, do I? <laughs> Ten seconds later. I, know, I am, yeah. I know. Yes, yes. Yes, I will. I know. <laughs> yes. Yes. I know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Goodbye, I have to do my tax. Sad as this is to say, I relate to that one too. <laughs> <laughs> You're terrible. I talked to my mom this morning. She called me last night and I didn't pick up because I was talking to my friend in Korea and then I had to go out to a thing and so this morning I was like hi mom how are you we had a nice little chat until she hung up on me the, but I'm just saying there's sometimes when you're talking to your parents and like they're just like oh how are things how's you how's you know how's the wife how's your job you get a better job you know it's just like it's just it gets to the point where you're like it's it's now an interview you know they just it's an interrogation and it's like okay okay they, yeah yeah okay <laughs> babe they just want to love you <laughs> I challenge you to have a 15-minute phone conversation with one of your parents. Listen, I have a better relationship with my parents than Bernard here does. That's fair. But I'm, you know, I'm just saying, like, for, for him, I, it does not. It, it's not going to take me 10 seconds to feel like that overwhelmed. Upon. Yeah. Goodbye but, now. Yeah, I have but, to do my taxes. But for him, it was like I'd rather have an unpleasant conversation with my mother. <laughs> who I, I, def, I obviously don't speak to very often uh, than do my taxes. And then, but then it flips on it. Where it's like, okay, this is, I got to get out now. <laughs> I do my taxes. Uh, and then the, the best thing happens. The thing that like he uses to distract himself from the longest period yeah, of time. Someone, someone knocks on the door. And this is my favorite part of the episode. Mm-hmm. Did your non-returnable outgoings for the first half of the year. Ah, oh, thank Christ. <laughs> yes. Hello. We were wondering if we could talk to you about Jesus. <laughs> what? I'd love to hear about Jesus. What's he up to now? Come on in. Come on. <laughs> uh, uh, are you sure? Yes, in, in. Come in. It's a trick. <laughs> it's just generally people don't say yes. Well, I'm not people. Come on in. Let's talk <laughs> beliefs. So animated. He's making fun of uh, your door-to-door evangelicals. Yeah. Uh, 
It is, it's really funny. It's really funny. And like, they both look terrified. Like, no one's ever invited us in before. <laughs> but I like, come on. Well, yeah, yeah. Tell me about Jesus. What's he up to now? <laughs> it's like, it's, come on in. Oh, man. That's, it was really funny where you're just kind of like, yeah, I don't want to do this. So much so that I'm going to invite strangers into my house to talk to me about Christ. Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> but I was like, these these, these two goobers are, are hilarious because like they're both very nervous. They've never gotten this far before. Yeah. Um, and then it, so it's like, I don't know. It, it's it's definitely poking fun at your your Christians yeah. who, who go to door to door. You know, like I feel like a, I see that a lot. You know, I, I see ha- uh, doorsteps where they have those those little like no soliciting signs. Yeah. But the ones that are kind of like list out all the things they don't want. It's like, don't sell us anything. We don't want to talk about religion. We don't want to talk about politics. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've already have God. Leave us alone. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So I get it. I get well, it. I get it. People don't want to be d- disturbed. So it's funny to make fun of the, these guys who come to your door and then like, no, no, come on in. Come on in. Yeah. Like that. It's not a, one of those slam door and faces. It's still done like a little tactfully. I don't know. It's, it's clever. It's done for a joke. It's clever. Yeah. And it, but it's not, it doesn't feel necessarily offensive. And they, <laughs> keep, they keep the joke going. It's yeah. Good. What's, what's your favorite story about, uh, our Lord. <laughs> moneylenders. Has to be the moneylenders. Chasing them out of the temple. It, it, it is knockout stuff, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and, and yourself? Oh, well, it's all good. Um, but I suppose when he, when he rescued, when Jesus rescued the Samaritan. No, that's the story Jesus tells about the Samaritan who helped somebody else. Really? Yeah. <laughs> wow. And I like the one where he went to dinner with a tax collector. <laughs> it reminds him that he's going to do his taxes. <laughs> but it's, again, it's making fun of Christians who, like, when pressed on it, they have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh yeah, you know. I like the the one with the. There was a tall man in a tree. <laughs> oh, they're all good. You know, it's <laughs> definitely a BS answer. Oh, they're all good. <laughs> uh, then, like, he's like, "Don't you guys have like any literature or anything I can take?" And they're like, uh, no, we don't. Wait, wait, yes, the brochures, the brochures. <laughs> yeah, uh, these guys are great. They get drunk with them. I don't yeah. have, I don't have a whole lot more clips of them. No, oh, which yeah. is fine. You yeah. should definitely go and see them. This so. is my favorite scene in the whole show. Yeah, is uh, these these two goobers. They're so funny, uh, oh. and they uh, do a good job at distracting Bennett for a while. Yeah, so that's kind of like the, you know, a plot of of Black mm-hmm. Books. There's a B plot going on. With Manny. Manny. What's, uh, so what's, what's he up to? He's at work. The job he loves. Or hates. You. Uh, Manny. What's that you're eating? Soup? Yes. <laughs> it's extra chunky. What's in it? Chunks. <laughs> Should I be doing something? Do you need the Gleason accounts now? I have them on disc. Uh, I would have emailed them, but uh, I had a lot of lot of clink on the the, the stuffer expander, and uh, <laughs> plug went in some tizer. <laughs> just shape up or ship out, all right? This is another one of those scenes where it just like feels off. Yeah, this was the scene you you mentioned when we were watching that it felt like they were having two different conversations. They it, it feels that way even even here. Like listening to it, it's like what are they talking about? Like it feels like they filmed this scene separately at two different times and the two actors weren't interacting with each other 
Yeah. It's just like one person's reaction doesn't quite match the other person's like, you know, uh, their statement, you know, it's just a little odd. And none of that was funny to me. Yeah. It was like, I, 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 other than maybe I'm just, it's like so awkward that I'm made to feel uncomfortable. But I, I was like, I'm, I'm not laughing at this. Yeah, I thought it was a little bit funny just kind of being in a more traditional job setting where it's just kind of like, because it starts off with him being on the phone while somebody's walking around. He's like, yeah, sure. Uh-huh. And then, we'll, well, let me tell you about this. And then the person walks away and he hangs up. He was like pretending to be busy. So his boss didn't talk oh, to okay. him. And then when his boss comes in, oh, yeah, I have those things on dish. I, I would have emailed them, but I did. Like, it's a, a total answer that you're like, you didn't do it. <laughs> You didn't do it and you're trying to buy yourself some time. And the, but the boss like turns on a dime too. Like he seems yeah. like he's trying to make small talk and then it just like, sh- you know, ship out, you know, whatever. Yeah. Sh- ship. What, what does he say? Shape, shape up, up or, or ship, ship out. out. <laughs> yeah. I get it. I think it's like, it's, it, it's funny in the, it's funny in the juxtaposition of owning your own business and being in charge and the stressors that brings and the, being a cog in a machine and the stressors those springs kind of thing. I, I get it. Yeah. But to me, I was just like, this yeah, is like I the understand if it wasn't funny to you. Show, yeah. Uh, and then the scene ends with uh, Manny finishing his soup off, but uh, unbeknownst to him, he's accidentally knocked the little book of calm into his soup. Right. Come on. We've got to get Friday's invoices in. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Here I come. What is it? Not to the hospital he goes. Because he swallowed the little book of calm. Again, it's not funny. Like I don't know. Like, what's the joke other than like fat guy swallowed little book? You is know? he fat? He's like a heavy guy. He's a heavier guy. Okay. Or just like little man swallows. Yeah, I get little it. book, you know. Yeah, no, I get it. It's just like okay, it's not. I, as I guess it's supposed to be like gag humor, and if that doesn't land with you, it doesn't. Not land. at all. Yeah, you know? it's like not even very physical. He's not even like being very physical. It's just kind yeah. of like, yeah, that guy's choking on a little <gasps> book he he bought. He's choking cool. on his calm. <laughs> anyway, took, we go to took, the. Ho- he took a chill pill. What got me more excited was when he gets to the hospital. We meet his doctor. <laughs> And who's his doctor? Martin Freeman. Bilbo himself. <laughs> Young Bilbo. Like this is <laughs> Young he, John had, Watson. Had he been in the office yet? I have no idea. Anyway, Probably way, not. 2000? Either way, a young Martin Freeman. Right, Martin Freeman? Yeah. A young Martin Freeman. There you are. Uh, time for my results? Well, it's rather bad news, I'm afraid, Mr. Bianco. The little book of calm is lodged between the small intestine and the pancreas. If it rotates a centimeter or two to the left, you'll be dead in seconds. Oh, my God. No, no, hold on a moment. That's just the worst-case scenario. The other possibility, and this is far more likely, is that the little book of calm will move to the right, into the renal canal. Now, if this happens, you could live for anything up to ten years, one year, who knows? <laughs> He's a bad doctor. But he's, you, you see the charm of, of Martin Freeman here for the start. I was disappointed to hear that he's he's not a regular on the show. No, it was just this one episode. Yeah. You know, though, talking about his charm, we were sitting there and I was like, I can see what Tom Holland, Holland is going to grow up to be. Because everything 
everything about that thing just felt like Tom Holland doing an interview. And I was just like, either he's a big fan of Martin Freeman. Or he's gonna grow up to be Martin Freeman. <laughs> Martin, like I, I know Martin Freeman best from The Hobbits, mm-hmm. but uh, like him as a young man, you know, like 10, 15 years before The Hobbit, mm-hmm. like he looks like Tom Holland. Yeah, <laughs> he he, really, he really just looks like a blonde Tom Holland. <laughs> Babyface Martin Freeman looks like Tom Holland so now. Cute. So in like he, t- in ten to fifteen years, Tom Holland will just look like Martin Freeman now. Ex- exactly, exactly, right? I you haven't seen Love Actually? He's in Love Actually. Nope. Mm. And you didn't. Well, I mean, you've you've seen the first episode of Sherlock, but he's middle aged there. Yeah, yeah, that's also ten years from now. Uh, but what <laughs> we get a like a few scenes, you know, a few of those scenes happen, like with you know the Jesus guys and stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. We we revisit the hospital, and something's happened. The little book of calm has disappeared. Ah, Mister Bianco, I'm back with us at last. There's been a complication. Uh, you see, we went in to remove the book, and um. Well, uh, in medical terms, it's gone. Uh, to put it another way, it's not there. Now, I don't know how this could have happened. Uh, the only explanation is that somehow uh, you uh, assimilated it into your system overnight, which is, of course, impossible. <laughs> how do you feel, by the way? Add a drop of lavender to your bath, and soon you will soak yourself calm. I'm sorry? <laughs> I'm sorry? <laughs> He's reached enlightenment. He's reached full calm. Yep. So the little book of calm has been assimilated into his body. <laughs> and now he's just, he, he looks like Christ. There's a joke later on where he interacts with the, the Jesus guys. Yeah. And like they, you know, they, they come to the door and he answers and they, they, the, in, the impression I got was they think he's Jesus. Yeah. And they get scared. Yeah. And they freak out and run away. Cause he's wearing his, his hospital gown, but it kind of looks like a robe. Yeah. Like a, like a Jesus robe and it's very white. Mm-hmm. And he just like, he's got a long hair. So he's just like walking around, like, you know, giving uh, people calm. Yeah. Like that's the thing. So he just speaks proverbs from the little book of calm to people. <laughs> and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Like there's a dog barking and he calms the dog and there's a car alarm going off and he calms the car. There's a lady giving birth and he does not calm her. Ah, where's my birth partner? I can't do this without my birth partner. Where is she? Where is she? I told you, Judy, we can't find her. We've been calling her all day. When you're feeling under pressure, do something different. Roll up your sleeves or eat an orange. They play that that Gloria several times. <laughs> so stupid. It, it's 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 pretty goofy, but yeah. Um, it, it, that that woman is the same woman that Fran is supposed to be birth partnering. Uh, she, Fran's not there. Why? Nope. She has a mystery to solve. She gets too preoccupied trying to figure out what the thing is that she has. She's like in Bernard's shop with a bunch of other customers, all trying to figure out and brainstorm what the heck <laughs> this thing is. Um and. Meanwhile, Bernard uh, comes up with a plan. What's his plan? Well, you can delay your taxes if you were seriously or minorly injured. Uh, Exemption clause. Persons suffering from short or long-term injury or sickness may defer their returns until such time as... Wait a minute. Persons suffering from short or long-term injury or sickness may defer their returns... Ah, ha, ha, ha. Ah, ha, ha. No, no, give it up, Bernard. No, you'd have to really cripple yourself. 
You're hardly going to do that just to avoid doing accounts. Fuck, <laughs> wouldn't I? Th- that, that's another thing where Dylan Moran, like, gives off the goofy where you're like, okay, this guy's a, you know, lovable <laughs> goof. Because he just, like, smiles, like, like a goofy <laughs> smile because he knows, like, yep, I'm going to try I'm it. I'm going to do something. And so for the rest of the episode, he's trying to hurt himself. Yes, or get someone to hurt him. Yeah, cut his. She tries to cut his arm off he with a. Does indeed try with to a cut his with arm a turkey off. cutter with those electric turkey shavers. Or yep. And uh, he, <laughs> so a customer comes in and is like, "Oh, I want to buy this book. I'll, I'll sell it to you if you break my legs." <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what? What's the, the what's the final plan? What does he What does he think is really going to help him get uh, crippled? He sees some gang members outside and says, Oh, they can beat me to crippled. Ah, skinheads. Perfect. <laughs> Do you think you're funny? What, what happened? Looking for another slap, are you? Looking for another slap? Which one of you bitches wants to dance? <laughs> hey, you know when you're doing, uh, the usual sort of threesome thing you'd do of a weekend, you know, and uh, the moonlight's bouncing off your heads and your arses and everything. Does that not get a bit confusing? <laughs> right. Look, this is you, okay? And then they punch him. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, the, the three skinheads, is what they're referred to, uh, mm-hmm. are harassing Manny outside because yes. Manny is still in his calm phase mm-hmm. and like he's just like saying random things to them like have you ever heard a calm person shout <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, and then they they just like what is this guy talking about and then they they punch him and that kind of helps manny come to and that's the voice you heard where he says uh what, where what happened yeah and then burner comes out and basically just insults these men so that he can get punched yeah which they do and manny thinks he did it to save him which he didn't no <laughs> But that's the end of Black Books. Yeah. And we get a little bit of resolution. Uh, l- luckily for, for, for Bernard, Manny is an accountant. woo I've been gravely injured now. Well, I don't have to do my accounts. You're a witness. Oh. Well, I could do your accounts. Right. Well, I'm an accountant. Well, was an accountant. It's <laughs> uh, the least I could do. You mean you could do more? Yeah. Could I have a glass of wine? Okay. And a, and a ham sandwich. If you like. With a pickle? <laughs> All right. <laughs> that, you're, that, that, that his smile, you even you were imitating his goofy, stupid smile. His wide mouth, crooked smile. Oh, and a pickle. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, the resolution we were all waiting for. Fran comes in. To tell us what this thing is. Can't wait to start. Cab number. Cab number. Got to get to Julie. <laughs> so what happens is she runs in and she's got the thing under her arm and it's uh, like she's trying to get to her her friend who's giving birth. She's yes, looking through the she's phone remembered. book. And Manny picks up the thing that we don't know what it is, and he twists it, and it lights up. It's a lighter. It's a lighter. And he uses it to light Bernard's cigarette. Yes. And that's Fran screaming. Because <laughs> he knew. I just, just so you know, 
this this paints the picture of the whole series where the only competent one is, is Manny. And the end the end of this episode that that cut it, it's like perfect like vine cut. It's like a you know like <laughs> the perfect place to cut a scream. You know, <laughs> ah, boom. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Uh, and I, I look because I looked it up because uh, I had to capture the the credits theme because we're gonna go out on those. <laughs> yeah. Um, a lot of the episodes do end on a scream of some kind, <laughs> like it's the perfect cut too. You know, mid scream, cut to credits. Uh, so that's good. That that's some that's some comedic timing right there. It's perfect. So good job, editor. Whoever, yeah. Whoever you were. Editing so important. But that's the episode. That that is the episode. And uh, I, I guess since I'm talking about the credits theme, uh, the show's music was composed by Jonathan Whitehead. So yeah. good job, good Mr. Job, Whitehead. John. So what did you think of Black Books? I think it was quite a good time. What did you think? It's pretty good. <laughs> like I'm, I, I've seen better sitcoms. Yeah. Um, but it's, 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 it's fine. Yeah. I, I would personally not go out of my way to watch the full series I if would. I didn't have to. Um, but if it was on TV, I'd watch it and not, you know, be upset by it. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, it's, it's, it's a pleasant view. It's funny. It is. There are some scenes that I feel like fall short. And we talked about those. Like, yeah. I, I think, I don't know if that's just a problem in this episode or if that carries on through the rest of the show. I think with com- uh, comedic shows, there's always stuff that falls short. Yeah. You know, but, not, um, not everything lands. Yeah. But the pilot was a little bit rough. And But, but for the most part, it's like, I think... Dylan Moran is a very charismatic person, mm-hmm. and I think he he does a lot to carry the show. Yeah, um, and I, yeah, it was a good show. Writing's it was a good, good. So yeah, 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 yeah. Good editing. So, would you recommend Black Books? Yes, I would too. If you're interested, if you're if you like <laughs> lukewarm, Brit- recommend for you. If you like British comedy and you haven't watched it, then yeah, sure, go for it. You know, it's like why 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 no re- no reason to miss out on this one. Agreed. Yeah. I would say give it. Two or three episodes. Yeah, and if you an hour and a half, especially if you like the stuff that these people have made, other than this, like if you like Father Ted or the IT crowd, Mm -hmm. like give Black Books a try. Yeah, yeah, it's it's got. It makes me want to look into Father Ted because I do like both of those shows. So I'm like, oh, what was brilliant about it? And it's free on Amazon right now. Oh yeah, yeah, with with ads. I think it's like like a ad thing. But like, hey, if you got Amazon Prime, you could watch it for free. Do it. So yep. But what did the world think? Black what books. did it think? Because Black Books debuted in a late Friday night time slot in Channel 4, ratings for the show's first series were reportedly quite poor. Mm. But despite this, Black Books received critical acclaim, with critics praising the show's humor, wit, and central cast. Mm. Of the pilot, The Guardian said, quote, Moran has never been funnier than when he's in full rambling, ranting, ridiculous flow as Bernard, who can make even a tax return funny. <laughs> Fair. It's good. It is good. IGN said, quote, it's something that makes the show special, unafraid to jump straight to the surreal to get jokes across while rejecting the shiny, shiny trappings of more aspirational U.S. sitcoms, where even the worst character has a heart of gold buried somewhere. Uh, it's true. I don't think Bernard has a heart of gold buried anywhere. But he's got like something that he's got charm. He's got something that's very charming about him. He's got a heart of bronze. Um. He's got a gilded heart, a gilded iron heart, a heart painted gold for money. (laughs) And because I liked this quote, New York Magazine said, quote, Black Books is a lot of fun. It's full of unfun people, but it's infinitely funny as a result of this. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) 
Black Book's first series also won the BAFTA for Best Situation Comedy. Oh, wow. When receiving the award, Moran said, quote, We're really glad to have won this award. We just wish somebody would have actually watched the show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and over the course of its run, Black Books won an additional BAFTA and was nominated for various British comedy awards and Irish film and television awards. So, good job, Black Books. Good job, Books of Black. And where did Black Books go from here? Black Books ran for three series of 18 episodes. You have any standout moments from the show? I mean, yeah, it's episode two. Well, what, what's, <laughs> what happens in episode two? They have to leave. It could be three, but they have to leave the bookshop because it's a mess and they're getting a professional to clean it up. And so they go stay at someone, a friend of a friend's home, which has a really expensive wine cellar. They break everything. Uh, and it's also the place where, very drunk, they're trying... Oh, they set the house on fire. It's a really good episode, but it's the it's the episode where uh, Manny is trying to get Bernard's attention, and he just goes, Bennett, 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 Bennett. You, you do quote that a lot. Bennett, <laughs> Bennett, Bennett, Bennett. It's, it's probably a solid 90 seconds. It's like a family gay joke where it goes on so long that it's not funny, but then it keeps going after that and becomes funny again. Yes, and then, what? Like, oh. Gosh, it's great. Uh, and and they've got quotable lines like, you are a filth wizard. In that episode, what happens is like, it's so dirty. You would not like it. It's so dirty, messy, and disgusting. And they bring in um, a professional and they're like, yeah, that's when he's like, you are a filth wizard. And he's like, what? It's not even dirty. What are you talking about? And the guy puts on white gloves, swipes the air. <laughs> and then there's just dust and grime on his like he's not touching anything but the air he's breathing and i was just like that's funny ew clean <laughs> you're a filth wizard harry oh gosh and there's just like a lot of stuff it was just fun it was a fun, it was a fun show i like the show anyway black books is considered by the producers to be a sister show of the 1999 channel 4 sitcom spaced written and starring simon pegg and jessica stevenson and directed by Edgar Wright. I have seen the first series of Spaced, and it's excellent. <laughs> Way better than Black Books. Um, One episode. You have to watch more than an episode. Okay, I, I, I'm just <laughs> saying, like... Spaced feels like a way more modern than Black Books ever felt. In me. the one episode you've seen. But I would say, Spaced is excellent. It's mm -hmm. a great show. Go seek that show out. No, I've never seen it. I never will. Anyway, Black Books featured several actors from Spaced, and in one episode of Black Books, Manny is heard speaking to Twist Morgan, a character from Spaced. Ah. So there's our, there's even a crossover. Like the Jetsons and the Flintstones. <laughs> and when asked by Digital Spy in 2015 about the show possibly returning, Dylan Moran replied saying, quote, No, 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 no. <laughs> Does that answer the question? <laughs> no. Well, with that said, where did Dylan Moran go from here? Well, though he has appeared in other television programs like Little Crackers and Uncle, Moran has stated that he'd never do another studio sitcom again. Mm. He has appeared in films like Shaun of the Dead, Run, Fat Boy, Run, and a film with me in it, though. <laughs> a film with me in it. That's okay. the name of the movie. All right, cool. Who's me? Don't know. <laughs> He has continued to tour as a stand-up comedian, and he's a regular performer at national and international comedy festivals. In 2010, a poll commissioned by Channel 4 ranked him the 14th greatest comedy stand-up. Cool. And French newspaper Le Monde 
declared him, quote, the greatest comedian, living or dead, in 2007. Wow. So, yeah. Dang, we should watch some of his stand-up. Yeah, that's Black Books and that's Dylan Moran. All so right, good that's, job. That's all we got. That was fun. That was fun. Yeah. yeah. We're gonna, like I don't I, know if it was fun for you kids, but... <laughs> like I said, we're going to close out with the credits theme from Black Books, which is more or less the intro theme. A little longer, but it's fine. And uh, we will be back with my show of the year 2000. Uh, fine. We'll be right back after these messages. The Bookshop Owner's Definitive Guide to Retail. Remember, your staff are the customer's first point of call. It's a flaming bookshop. Of course we got Jane Austen. <laughs> Always stay abreast of contemporary issues. You know nothing about modern culture. Beckham, posh, Pokemon. Pac-Man. It's pronounced Pac-Man. Remember, P stands for professionalism. Joy is dreadful, but it's quite short. How not to succeed in retail. Black Books, next Friday, 9.30 on 4. You are, if you are at all familiar with my show of the year 2000, that opening uh, should strike, you know. Fear in your yeah. hearts. Because <laughs> it's like, yep. Oh, we're going there, are we? We sure are. And I apologize ahead of time uh, for what we... You better apologize again after. Here's a few, here's a few things before we get into the conversation. Uh, pay attention to the content warnings for this podcast. <laughs> Uh, you know, if you, there are certain topics you don't want to hear about or, or hear discussed, uh, just take a look at those. Um, and yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Well, what is my show? Debuting October 1st, 2000 on MTV. Created by Jeff Tremaine, Spike Jones, and Johnny Knoxville. Starring Johnny Knoxville, Bam Margera, Chris Pontius, Dave England, Ryan Dunn, Jason Weeman Acuna, Aaron McGehee, Preston Lacey, and Steve-O. Johnny, take it away. Hi, I'm Johnny Knoxville. Welcome to Jackass. Three, two, one, <laughs> There it is, ladies and gents. That show. That show. That Our, hillbilly show. So something we decided when we first started the podcast was... Uh, no cursing from either of us. Yep. It's just a personal choice of ours. Uh, we play clips of other people cursing. We've done that for both of these segments so far. Um, but for us, we don't want to. Uh, definitely don't want my voice being taken out of context and isolated for whatever reason. Amongst other reasons why we just don't curse on this podcast. Yep. As hosts. Uh, so with that said, it's going to be kind of difficult to discuss this television show, which has a perceived curse word in its title. <laughs> so from henceforth... When discussing the show, Jess and I will use the term J-A ja. to uh, refer to the show. Ja. So when you hear J-A, ja. it's this television show from the year 2000. Ja. 
<laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, there's you haven't a... apologized enough. <laughs> well, before I tell everybody why we're talking about this show, uh, have you have you ever no. watched the show before? You never seen it? No. None of the movies or no. anything. Why would I go to a? Mo- why would I spend money on? No. You weren't even exposed to it at all. No, no one your I mean, uh, no. Obviously, your I was exposed to it. I like people talked about it at school. No. Wow. Why? When anime is available, it's two thousand. I'm watching Adult Swim. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> That's next Adult, year. Adult Swim did uh, debut in two thousand. Oh, I thought it was two thousand one. No, we we went through the runners up. Remember? Yes, I do remember that. You're so right. let me explain myself. Uh, I. Did not watch this show when it aired. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hadn't. Wa- I didn't watch the show for a long time after it, it ended. Um, I think the first time I was exposed to J.A. Ja. in life was my older sister rented the first movie and brought it home, and my mom and her watched it. I think maybe even with some friends. Why, D? And Why? Uh, they told me, "Stay upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> you can't watch this show." And I was like, "Okay." How old were you in two thousand? Well, this was maybe two thousand two or three because uh, the movie was oh, right, right. yeah yeah um and i was like okay and i remember coming downstairs one time to let maybe get something out of the kitchen mm-hmm. and you know i i sat down and watched a second of it uh it was a a stunt where bam margera releases a crocodile into his parents kitchen the way it, yeah. i would disown a child and then sue them it was just a prank it was like a prank little, little prank thing and you know because he likes to terrorize his parents that's a whole thing kids i'm not putting up with it i'm not gonna take it anyway no. but then like after that stunt ended the next stunt was i, I assume uh, involved male nudity of some kind and i was like no thank you and i went upstairs <laughs> Because, you know, there's a lot of that, too, in this in this show. Yeah. <laughs> Male nudity. Male nudity. And I was like, no, thanks. Um, so, yeah, I, I didn't watch this. I definitely, in hindsight, know that a few of my friends, specifically a pair of friends who live behind me, definitely watched this show. Call them out. Uh, Chris and Matt. <laughs> I, it's like they they were they were the mischief. Young bucks? No, Sorry. they were they were mischief makers in our neighborhood. Mm. Um, and I'm pretty sure, like they, even the the older one might have watched this, and they like to emulate it. Ah, that <laughs> so they, doesn't sound like fun. Yeah, I, I was not watching it, but in hindsight, it was like, yeah, it was pretty clear that they <laughs> did. Um, I remember in sixth grade, we had to do a project. It, it was meant to teach us about different types of learning. You mm-hmm. know, like, are you a visual learner? Are you an auditory learner? You know, are you a kinesthetic learner? Okay. You know, and it was basically, student, do a project about your hobby and present it to us via your via your form of learning, mm. right? So I, I classified myself as a visual learner. So I made like a poster board, mm-hmm. and, and I, I did video games because that's what <laughs> I have, that was my hobby, you know. Um, and my friend Chris, who was in my class, lived behind me. Uh, he said that his hobby was doing stupid things. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was a kinesthetic learner, so they made a video. Oh, wow. And they just made a vi- JA video, oh, essentially. Wow. And I remember they did a stunt in his backyard where they, I believe, just like made like, it was like a human bowling pin kind of thing or, or human bowling ball, mm-hmm. you know, where he hopped on a skateboard, wore a helmet, and like they pushed him into garbage stuff. and stuff, uh. like trash cans full of water and. That was the video. It was just like, hey, we're going to do stupid stuff. We're going to push you into 
garbage. Now laugh about it. Yeah. Did the class laugh? I'm, pr- I'm sure they did. I'm sure yeah. I laughed too. Yeah. Um, and by the time I was old enough to be watching the show, it had ended mm-hmm. like pretty thoroughly. So I came up like middle school is when I started watching MTV, mm-hmm. you know, because by that we talked about it. By then it was like it was all Nickelodeon. I was watching a lot of Nickelodeon yeah, and true. Kids WB. Uh, when I started watching MTV, this show had gone off and its spinoffs were in their heyday. Mm-hmm. You know, Wild Boys, which I know you. I did watch Wild Boys, yes. Uh, watched and I watched more Viva La Bam, <laughs> starring Bam Margera and his. I will friends. say I definitely caught a couple of episodes of that before. I don't know why, but I do remember being like disgusted. Like, it's not why? A, it's not a good show, but when you're like a preteen teenager and like you like Bam Margera is just like I don't know, he's just a troublemaker and he's always doing crazy stunts. You know, mm-hmm. they're doing like a crazy prank war and crashing cars into hotel rooms and stuff. You know. Uh, Making your township so angry that they vote to evict you from the township. So you have to go live out, basically build a mansion in the woods. <laughs> That's what happened to him. Uh, I could not. I, uh, okay. So I have a lot more nostalgia for Viva La Bam than I do J.A. Okay. Um, and then I started watching, uh, you know, by that point I was watching a lot of cable, like Comedy Central, VH1, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And they would air TV edits of the J.A. movies. Mm-hmm. So you'd watch it, watch that. the movies yeah. and they were censored. So I didn't have to see a lot of male nudity. So that was nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was, you know, edited for TV. So a lot of like the crazier stuff and the, you know, <laughs> the poo, mm-hmm. you know, gross stuff was edited out. So it was actually kind of like ideal way to watch the movies because it's mostly just the stunts. Right. You know, uh, I so, guess. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So it's like I have I have nostalgia for the movies more than the show, mm-hmm. and and obviously the spinoffs like Viva La Bam. Then, several years later, I am I think I was dating you at the time. I we weren't married yet. Um, I was on YouTube one day and I caught a. It was uploaded to YouTube. It was a documentary about the World Industries uh, skateboard company. Okay. Uh, do you do you know anything about World Industries? Whiz. No. Oh no. It, it had, when I was a kid, World Industries was famous for their two little characters. It was Wet Willy and Flame Boy. Okay. <laughs> and they were like little mascots for like the art on the bottom skateboard, of a skateboard. Yeah. Deck, deck art, yeah. Yeah, th- would have that company's characters. Mm-hmm. These two little, it was like a little, it looked like maybe like Pac-Man, but it was like a water drop in a flame. Okay. You know, it's like, I don't know, just little characters. And I remember my, my, my friend Steven, when we were little kids, when he was getting into like tech deck. And, and extreme sports, mm-hmm. he had a lot of like stickers and, and you know, decals for okay. this company. So I maybe it was like I searched them out because I remember them one day and I was mm-hmm. like, what was that? And then I, it, it drew me to this documentary about the the company and the guy who started it. Rocco was his name, Steve Rocco. Mm-hmm. The funny thing is, Steve Rocco, in addition to founding World Industries, also founded a little magazine called Big Brother Magazine. And Big Brother Magazine, I learned, was the starting point for this J.A. lineage. That It's the grandfather of J.A. is Big Brother Magazine. Okay. And it was a fascinating documentary because <laughs> it was all about like 90s skate culture. Mm-hmm. Skate videos, you know, uh, extreme sports, X Games, the rise of street skating, mm-hmm. and the rise of these stunt and prank videos. VHS tapes that would release in the 90s. 
And that reminded me of skate videos that I used to watch with my friends, Chris and Matt, behind, you know, who live behind me. All right. We used to watch those, you know, or like dirt bike videos, BMX videos, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, wow, that's interesting that all that can be traced back to the Big Brother magazine. And this, so it was a cool documentary. And you would say it gave me a kick <laughs> to watch some stuff. Mm-hmm. So I went and watched all of the Big Brother videos. And that graduated to watching the first three seasons of J.A. Or all three seasons of J.A. So what you're saying is, so what you're, so honey, so what this whole beautiful, long-winded story tells me is that you don't have the excuse of being a stupid child. You watched this as a grown man. I sure did. Of your own choice. I did. And I'm going to be honest with you, I still like have fondness for the show. There's a lot of stuff I don't like about it. And it's not something I'd watch in mixed company. Um, but like, we'll what talk- would our show have been had you not done this? Well, we'll talk around while we were dating. You hated me from the start. <laughs> you hated me from the start. But wait, that's not, we're not done yet. So, can we be done yet? Anyway. Again, this wouldn't be our show if I had only watched it all the way through one time. Why would you? Why? But poor Kay. So <sighs> I would say, uh, you know, a, a, a time after that, YouTube recommended me a documentary about Big Brother magazine in particular. And I watched that documentary. And I thought that, oh, that was a great doc. And I rewatched it again. It's called Dumb, the story of Big Brother. Mm-hmm. It's on Hulu. It's a Hulu documentary. It's fantastic. Um, it's it's very well put together. I, if, if anything, I would recommend that because it's actually a pretty fascinating documentary and it's not like super juvenile like this show we're going to talk about. But that once again hit the kick where I was like, OK, well, I'm going to watch, you know, because I had more, you know, uh, context. So I so, you know, watched the Big Brother videos. <laughs> I watched the first three seasons of J.A. that I went on and watched Wild Boys and Viva La Bam again just to feel nostalgic. What I'm hearing is. Every time you go on a new kick, I need to stop and decide if that is going to be something that's going to affect me in the future of this podcast. So you're, you're not allowed to have kicks anymore. <laughs> you're not allowed. So the reason we're talking about this show on this podcast. I refuse to watch French New Wave about war. It's because I have watched this series twice all the way through. Just love your wife. That's all I ask. <laughs> you promised in sickness and in health to not exasperate your wife i am exasperated so let's talk about the making of this show no (laughs) ja is essentially the unholy union of two different 90s skateboarding slash stunt crews as i mentioned the first crew coming out of big brother magazine Mm -hmm. launched in 1992 by world industries steve rocco big brother is credited with popularizing street skating and fostering the skateboarding subculture in general Though the magazine mostly published articles about skateboarding, it also frequently contained nudity, stunts, pranks, random ramblings from the staff, and other types of controversial content. So it's called Big Brother. The idea was like, if if you didn't have a cool Big Brother to turn you on to, you know, stuff, the magazine was that for you. Got it. You know, it was like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So... The 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 article the articles it, it, they covered this in the, the documentary that I watched, but it's like some of these articles were just out there, and it's like either dark humor or tasteless. You know, <laughs> it was just to be edgy. This was a it was the the mid nineties. Mm-hmm. It was there to be edgy. So they had articles like 
how to make a fake ID. Oh, wow. How to buy crack on the street or how to kill yourself. Okay. Yeah. This this magazine's out of business now. It sure is. Okay, good. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it, it was basically just a, hey, what can we get away with type of magazine, you know? I mean, it's print. Yeah, it was, uh, as I wrote here, the conservative parents' worst nightmare. (laughs) And Big Brother's controversial reputation only grew after it was purchased in 1997 by American publisher Larry Flint. Who's Larry? Best known for Hustler Magazine. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So the American pornographer, Larry Flint, bought Big Brother, you know, just to be under his... Uh, His his, his, belt. Belt. (laughs) <laughs> Under his uh, umbrella. Yeah. Yes, umbrella. Uh, That's the, be- the, the, the funniest story to come out of this one was there was one month where uh, Flint Publishing's uh, got the distribution list mixed up for Big, <laughs> for Big Brother and Taboo Magazine. Oh, no. So subscribers to Big Brother received an issue of Taboo, whereas <laughs> member subscribers for Taboo got copies of big brother <laughs> some horrified middle american parents yes yes they they were on the news several times mm. I, w- I was not aware of such things but because you weren't subscribed to either no no i wasn't yeah. um i might have known some people who were subscribed to big brother you know i can think of some people that i knew growing up that probably were subscribers but i was never exposed Those people to behind it you. yeah maybe <laughs> maybe they're friends who knows uh, my friend <laughs> um but like big brother was la la based mm-hmm. south bay um, so, you know, our, our local KCAL 9 news would oh. have covered their, their, their folk controversies. Off. Yeah. Big Brother also started producing its own series of skate videos in 1996, which would more or less serve as the aesthetic basis for JA. If you watch the Big Brother videos, like it's half traditional skate video, mm. you know, like skate videos have a particular style. It's a lot of montages of people pulling off tricks and stuff. But it's inner, like it has its own style. These Big Brother videos mm-hmm. that are basically just what was reused for JA. It's like you know the little subtitles okay, okay. at the bottom saying who the the star of that segment is. You know, kind of black te- or white text over black background kind of thing. It's just like the the Big Brother videos became JA in style. Okay. The videos were co-created by Big Brother editor Jeff Tremaine, who would go on to co-create J.A. and direct many of its iterations, and featured several future J.A. cast members like Jason Wee-Manacuna, Chris Pontius, Dave England, Steve-O, and, most importantly, me, Johnny Knoxville. Oh, that guy. Yeah, because a, lo- a lot of those guys were either, they worked they worked for Big Brother, or they were frequent uh, like subjects of Big Brother. You know, like they were interviewed or they were in the scene, like skateboarders, okay. you know. That makes sense. So, yeah. Like a lot of these guys were in the skateboarding community before they got involved with this show. Let's uh, let's talk about these guys briefly. Let's see what they're on about. <laughs> Wee Man, the cover star of Big Brother's first video, was a Torrance, California-based skateboarder and so-called local legend. And so the, the, the documentaries about Big Brother referred to him as the local legend. Okay. He formed a relationship with Big Brother through various skateboarding sponsorships and through his job at a local skate shop. He was also featured in the magazine's fifth issue. Hmm. He was eventually recruited for Big Brother by Jeff Tremaine and photographer Rick Kosick, and he briefly served as the magazine's subscription manager. Tremaine, so it was his fault everything got No, 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 no. This was after that. This <laughs> was before the, the, yeah. the purchase. 
Uh, Tremaine described Wee Man as, quote, very unmotivated and a terrible employee. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Chris Pontius, a relatively unknown San Luis Obispo Bay skater, was an early spotlight for Big Brother. He was interviewed and photographed nude as a minor. No. Yep. So <laughs> that's not good. No. And it was published? Yes. No. Yeah. So th- why are we doing this segment? Very illegal. And uh, but the 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 what's the what's the period of time after a crime? What is it? The statute, statute of limita- limitation. The statute of limitation uh, probably lifted though. Anyway, <sighs> he eventually came on as a writer for the magazine before being fired in 1999 for missing a tour. Okay. <laughs> Ojai California native Dave England actually came up in the snowboarding scene. Through entrepreneur and rally driver Ken Block, he went on to serve as an editor for Blunt, Big Brother's sister snowboarding publication, which also sold to Larry Flint in 1997. So that's how he got hooked up with Big Brother, was he was writing for their sister snowboarding magazine. Okay. Stephen Glover, better known by his stage name Steve-O, was an aspiring skater, stunt performer, and graduate from Barnum & Bailey Clown College. Oh. (laughs) Uh, He got connected with Big Brother while he was living in Albuquerque, New Mexico. The magazine came through the city as part of a tour in 1997, and Steve-O insisted that he perform a wild fire stunt for them. Uh, The stunt involved him setting his head on fire, doing a backflip while someone shot fire from their mouth at him. And uh, it didn't quite go off as planned, and it ended up causing severe burns to his face. And they filmed it for one of their videos. Did it make it into a video? I think so, yeah. Yeah. But he's he's crazy, especially at this time. Like he was just a crazy person that wanted to be famous. So he tracked down this company and said, Hey, I want to be on your video. Kids, yeah. don't do stuff. And he for set, fame. set himself on fire. From there, Steve O worked clown gigs on cruise ships and eventually at a flea market in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, where some of his demo footage for JA was filmed. He continued to submit tapes of himself performing various stunts to Big Brother as well as perform stunts in person when the magazine toured Florida. Like his big trick was to do a backflip and shoot a fireball. That was his, that was his claim to fame or uh, do backflips off of a bridge and stuff like that. That just sounds like, okay. Do back, like, I mean, I, or like jump off a roof into a, like a hotel pool or something. I mean, at least he lived. Yeah. So this guy was like death defy stunts. That was his gimmick. Uh, he wasn't even really a skateboarder. He he talked about. It. He's like, I wasn't a very good skateboarder, so <laughs> I, knew, I knew that wouldn't get me in the video. So I just did crazy stunts. So I just did everything else. And that brings us to Johnny Knoxville. Oh, Johnny! A struggling young actor and writer out of Tennessee, Knoxville decided to pitch article ideas to various magazines in hopes of creating more career opportunities. One such idea was to test self-defense equipment on himself as an homage to legendary gonzo journalist Hunter S. Thompson. Thompson was the guy who wrote uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, Hell's Angels. Basically, he was just a journalist who would like go like basically go and participate in the things he was covering mm-hmm. to be like, you know, like deep cover, I guess. I don't know. I, I've never heard of him. It's the gonzo journalism was a thing he invented, but it was basically journalism where you are the main character of the story. You're not like you're not like an anthropologist, like observing. Okay. Like you are, you are, you're a participant. It's vlogging. Sort of, yeah. <laughs> but it was basically like going into weird, uh, you know, situations and reporting on it. Got it. 
After being rejected by various publications, Knoxville was eventually contacted by Jeff Tremaine, who convinced him to film the stunt for Big Brother. Uh, Knoxville accepted the offer, and that stunt was included in Big Brother's second video. <sighs> and uh, we might talk about that segment a little later as well. <sighs> but that's only half the team that would ultimately become J.A. Let's now travel to Westchester, Pennsylvania, where up-and-coming pro skater Bam Margera and his friends were producing their own independent skate-slash-stunt videos under the name CKY. Why does CKY stand? No, I didn't ask. Can't kill yourself. It's the actually they named their crew after Bam's brother's band. Bam's oh. brother Jess was in a band called CKY. So Bam kind of inherited the name for his crew. Okay. Which yeah. one did better, the band or the crew? I, I would say the crew is probably more <laughs> popular than the band. Even though the band does tour pretty regularly. They played um they played San Diego a few years ago. Huh. I think with the insane clown posse. Uh, and I, me and me and Kane would have no, had a great time. I no. considered it, but it was on like a Wednesday night. It couldn't happen. No, but. <laughs> thank you for being Wednesday. <laughs> it was like the most like cringe late '90s, early 2000s Ugh. core like rock concert. Ugh. I would have been covered in fago and sweat. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon Cole Margera, nicknamed Bam Bam or just Bam, at age three by his grandfather due to his habit of purposely running into walls, had two passions in life. Skateboarding. Running into walls. Yeah. <laughs> Skateboarding, having been sponsored by 1997, and causing mischief with his friends. CKY was the natural result. <laughs> Honestly, Bam Margera is like the proto-prank YouTuber. You know, he enabled a whole generation of like and bad that's YouTubers. Why I dislike him? So I I get it. I totally get it. I, to I like. It, it's not the reason why you saying that. It's like that makes sense. But he like. Is that's the reason I don't like him? Just like, oh, bad, stupid, bad faith, bad everything pranks. You can't even call them pranks. They're just being bothersome. Yeah. And as he aged, it got less about like bothering the public and more just about bothering his family and friends. You know, and like Which, that's what I'm saying. It's like cool, oh, I guess for humanity. But. Yeah, yeah. You know. Anyway, interestingly, Margera briefly crossed paths with Big Brother during their 1995 East Coast tour, which served as the basis for the magazine's first video. Little did either party know that they would be collaborating several years later on a hit television show. The first CKY video, entitled Land Speed Presents CKY, featured Bam Margera, his family, and his friends Brian D. Camillo, Ryan Dunn, Chris Rabb, or Rabb himself, and Rake Yon, all of whom would later appear in J.A. So that's, that's, that's the composition of J.A. Got it. Big Brother crew, West Coast, CKY crew, East Coast. Got it. The CKY videos eventually caught the attention of Jeff Tremaine, who at that point had produced three total Big Brother videos and was developing a stunt and prank show for television. Mm. Based on the Big Brother videos with Johnny Knoxville and film director Spike Jones, mm. then only a prominent skate and music video director. He's gone on to be, he's Academy Award nominated Spike Jones now. Oh, wow. Good yeah. job. I yeah. mean, you got to start somewhere. Yeah, he made, he made a, being John Malkovich, Her, the movie about the cell phone. I know the titles of all these movies. Yeah. I've just never seen them. He, he's, he's got a style. It's very weird, you know, mm. kind of quirky. Yeah, okay. After flying Margera out to L.A. and viewing the second CKY video, Tremaine decided to bring the Westchester crew on board. And that is history. No, nope, not done yet. No. 
Jermaine, Knoxville, and Jones shot and compiled demo footage for a pilot and shopped it around various TV networks. After the trio declined an offer from Saturday Night Live to be featured as a reoccurring segment, J.A. sparked a bidding war between MTV and Comedy Central. The crew eventually signed with MTV, who had offered them more creative control. Jermaine Knoxville and Jones then built up a J.A. crew with performers mentioned above, as well as two other prominent cast members. The first was Oregon-based Aaron McGahee, sometimes referred to as Danger Aaron. McGahee is a retired snowboarder, a stunt performer, and a good friend of Dave England, who referred him to Jeff Jermaine. Cool. And the final person to join J.A.'s cast was Preston Lacey, an aspiring actor and friend of Knoxville. Lacey initially joined J.A. as a writer before being encouraged to actually participate in the stunts. <sighs> no, do not encourage that. Let the boy write. What if he breaks his hand and can never write again? With the main cast finalized and the crew made up of Big Brother vets, including cinematographer Dmitry Elyashkovich and cameraman Rick Kosick, the first season of J.A. came together as a mix of original stunt and prank footage and existing footage from Big Brother and CKY videos. So that that's kind of the first season is just like kind of mix of everything. It's like new stuff and old stuff. Much of the footage shot was outright rejected by MTV. I, I, Good. Yeah, I, I, I'd imagine so. But that 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 begs to question. But but the stuff that we saw. <sighs> yeah, just imagine what was cut. No. And speaking of the network, MTV reportedly threatened to cancel the first episode after the crew had a run in with police during a cut stunt called The Convict. It was where I think it might have been Johnny Knoxville dressed up like a stereotypical convict in like orange jumpsuit mm -hmm. walking around L.A. like handcuffed and like asking establishments for help or something like that. And the police were called and uh, it was a whole thing. Good. There's some of those those, those stunts that um, I was like, people should be calling the police. Like, what is happening? And that is the making of J.A. <laughs> Are you ready to talk about the episode? No, can we stop now? No. I, I'm like I'm just like looking at this and it's like I have the name of the first episode up and I was just like, oh man, I'm embarrassed. <laughs> uh, the first episode of JA is Pooh Cocktail. <laughs> that was about the time I turned away and I stopped watching this stupid oh, show. But okay, so yeah, we're gonna talk about the first episode. It's it's honestly it's a lot like our ninety-four TV episode where we talked all that. Because this show is kind of just built up of a bunch of different segments. Nothing like that because you made me watch three episodes of that and we had to talk about all three episodes. Hey, are you glad you don't have to talk about three episodes of this show? Oh, we would be divorced. <laughs> We're not ever, ever. If I ever come in here and catch you on a like, oh, I, I, that, that, that podcast recording made me feel nostalgic again. And I'm coming here and I see you watching it. I'm breaking the TV. Okay, uh, so before I get into even the segments, uh, every episode, this is important. Every episode of JA starts and ends and during every commercial break shows a disclaimer. And I have the disclaimer, I have the disclaimer for the first episode here. It says, warning, the following show features stunts performed by professionals and or total idiots. In either case, MTV insists that neither you or any of your dumb little buddies attempt the dangerous crap in this show. Not worded harshly enough. No. It would become more and more harsh as the show went on. They're like, Good. Like, Let me hear the rest, the other one. I don't have the other ones, but it's they, they got more and more serious because that one had a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek <laughs> tone. Like, ha, 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 because they didn't think people would actually do them, but of course children did. 
Because of course yep. children did. Yep. So they had to be like, no, seriously, don't do this. Don't so do it. I'm gonna. I'll let you kind of, you know, dealer's choice to decide what we want to talk about. But first, we have to talk about the the stunt that started it all, because they did reuse it from the Big Brother videos, and that is the safety equipment, self defense. <laughs> well, I'm Johnny Knoxville, United States of America, and I'll be doing a little article on self defense equipment. I'm going to uh, start off by spraying myself with red pepper spray. It's the uh, highest concentration you can get, uh, followed by a 120,000 volt uh, stun gun. And then I'll be getting shot with a uh, taser gun, 50,000 volts for roughly around 30 seconds. He's going to pepper spray himself, stun gun, taser gun. So uh, in all the interviews, retrospectives, and documentaries that I watched, everyone was in agreement that this is the segment that launched the show. Mm -hmm. Without this segment, there would be no JA. Okay. Uh, everyone agreed that after you watch this segment, you realize that the thing that really sells it is Johnny Knoxville is such a showman. Like he has this like un he has this like natural charisma about himself that mm -hmm. it's compelling. You know, like like Bennett. A little bit, yeah. So you're just kind of like, you're you're with him, you know? And even the way he introduces himself, he's like, hey, I'm Johnny Knoxville, United States of America. You know, just like... Sounding like the Joker. <laughs> I don't know. He's just like, just goofy. And yeah. Then, and then you're like, oh man, this man's going to really hurt himself. <laughs> and you kind of feel bad for him, but also you're like, you deserve this, you idiot. <laughs> you know? You deserve this. <laughs> so yeah, Johnny Knoxville, I think, sells it. Without him, there would be no show. I mean, and that's that, what, I mean, that's fair. Like, even though you read all these things and said it's like the amount of, uh, it's the amalgamation of two crews and different things like that. I was like, yeah, but the main guy is still Johnny. Knoxville. It is. Yeah. So uh, first things first, he shoots himself in the eyes with red pepper spray. Highest concentration out there. Hit me. God. Hell. Oh, I feel like my eyes have gonorrhea. Ugh. Ugh. I will put anything in my eyes. Wash, you want the water? No. Some gasoline. Spray you down. Dive in the pool. Would, would that stop an assailant? That would stop a great trade. Getting clips for this was actually kind of difficult because there's just a lot of like pain. Yeah, the whole show is just like, oh no. Uh, interesting story though. We ran out of pepper the other day when I was making soup, and I just used pepper spray instead. No, you didn't. <laughs> I would imagine pepper spray being the worst one. Um, I feel like it's the one that lasts longest, and then it's like on you. Like if you like, he's shirtless. But if you weren't shirtless, then like you clean out your eye and then you like pull your shirt over your head and it's back on your face. <laughs> so it's I would feel like it's the one that lingers the most. Yeah. Yeah. And then he goes stun gun. It's the little handheld mm -hmm. thing with the hooks and it has a little electricity. Yeah. Wait, I thought the stun gun was. the. Oh, that's a taser. That's a Yeah. No, stun guns, the, the handheld yeah. one that you kind of press in like a. Yeah. Like a knife. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. It's, a hand, it's the handheld one. Got it. Taser got it. gun's the one that you shoot. And, it and little has prongs come out. Cool. Yeah. But the stun gun's the second one. Oh, 
Can I just comment on the Cowboy Bebop music in the back? There's really no marks left. That's what you got. Do you want to do that one again? No. His, some, his, he's also funny because his, his like screams of pain or like I don't know man I I still laugh okay <laughs> so it's just like some schadenfreude right like laughing at the misfortune of others yeah that's a thing I definitely do it just not in this and, show and again he's doing this the showman thing like he's holding a, an American flag up and he's like oh charge and he runs right, right into, into it. it yeah <laughs> and uh, of course we also got the taser mm. Weren't you on 9021? I think, honestly, when all is said and done, this is the best segment in the whole first episode of the show. It, ma- it makes it makes me laugh like when I was watching it because it's just like I don't know, man. Like, th- there's there's something like innate in me, like I don't know, like something primal that comes out that makes me want to laugh at this man's pain. That's cool, and I feel bad for him. It's like, oh man, yeah, you know that 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 sucks. You know, yeah. it's like I don't want him to be hurt, you know, forever or be maimed or crippled in any way but mm-hmm. like that's the like that's the 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 primal appeal of this show it's mm-hmm. like on the basis level like there is something in some people that just like it's funny to see other people getting hurt yeah. you know like Pratt Falls you know it's sort of like America's funniest home videos in a way but it's just like in its rawest form mm-hmm. yeah I mean I get it I definitely I know I know not that humor is not for everyone. Like there are definitely people like my best one of my best friends. She hates the like humor. Like oh, it's funny because somebody got hurt. Like that just doesn't land for her at all. And it, it does for me. Like I know there are things that I'm like, oh, that's hilarious to me. Uh, like videos that I see of of men trying um, the shock things that like simulate birth. Birth. Yeah, yeah. I think that's hilarious. Like people's reactions as they go through them, uh, men's reactions specifically, especially if they have wives who have already given birth and they're standing next to them and then like they switch them and they're like, that barely feels like a period cramp. And the men are like, what do you mean? Like, that's hilarious to me. This is not. Funny. <laughs> so I like, so I get what you're saying, right? Where there's a part of you that's just like, oh, that's so funny. I think it's interesting that he like did an experiment for an article and he can say like how effective they are to him and to a person and be able to more fully explain the sensations of them. That's pretty interesting. But for probably because it's for me housed in the show, I just no laughs. It's just not funny to me. It's a a funny story about the, the, the birth simulation machine. Uh, This is completely unrelated, (laughs) but for uh, John Cena's, uh, the, the Total Bellas or whatever. It was a mm-hmm. WWE reality show. It was a WWE reality show starring the Bella Twins mm-hmm. and their hu- their boyfriend's husband. So you got John Cena and Daniel Bryan. Right. And they Daniel Bryan's wife, Brie, was giving birth to their baby. Mm-hmm. And for the show, they t- used one of those birth simulation machines, right? And mm-hmm. Daniel Bryan 
used it, no sold the whole thing. He was just like, <laughs> I'm fine. So just go to the show. That man like, has had 68 concussions. Yeah. <laughs> the pain doesn't reach him anymore. Tough as nails. Um, <laughs> but it's funny because you and I will sometimes watch like fail videos on YouTube. Yeah. And like we we enjoy those, yeah. Not in not not in a lo like long stretch. No. Like I, you know, you can't watch you know a, an hour of those things. Mm -hmm. But like you know, for like like a fifteen minute video, like it's it's kind of funny just to watch people fall down. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> or like stupid girls on like a slip and slide, and they just like run into their dogs or yeah. something. You know, it's just like ah, oh, the dog's fine. Uh, yeah, I totally get it. Like there are definitely times that I like those. It gets to me, so I'm not gonna like sit here and say like no rod this is not funny like i can see where the humor can be in it i just in the same way for the last show when you're like i don't nothing's funny about this the situation with manny and his boss i was like i mean i found it a little bit funny but i could see that you wouldn't you know so i get it and i <laughs> so uh interesting thing about the self-defense short because again this was not it was not originally filmed for the show it was filmed for the Big Brother videos and for an article specifically. In addition to testing the pepper spray stun gun and taser, Knoxville, while wearing a bulletproof vest, also shot himself in the chest with a Smith and Wesson handgun during this stunt. It was, was to he wearing a. It, it was to test the bulletproof vest, oh, the Kevlar I vest. V I vaguely remember seeing that at some point in my life. Maybe that was added to a clip or something uh it was it was actually it was shown in full unedited in the big brother oh. video number two Oof. and uh they showed in the documentary and like they actually showed even more footage in the documentary and it was just like they had to drive out into the desert to test this kevlar vest which according to knoxville was the cheapest on the market because he didn't have enough money to buy a like a, a high quality Kevlar vest, Ugh, so Johnny. and none of his friends wanted to do it. They were like, "I'm not going to shoot you." So he had to shoot, shoot himself, himself. That's in the chest. Too close. Yeah, point blank range in the desert. I mean, good good on and, his friends. Like, what if they can't aim? And it was it was a revolver. So he's got like one bullet in one of the chambers, and he's he just, just like click click. And he like every time he. Pulled the trigger, he got more and more nervous because he didn't realize he thought it was the one. He's like, oh, that wasn't it. It is just like it, it's that terrifying. Terrible. I don't like that. Yeah. Obviously, MTV thought better of of airing that one. Yeah. Freaking kids going out and getting vests, not knowing that Kevlar is a thing. No, 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 no. We don't like that. So anyway, I'm gonna you know throw it to you. Any any skits that you want to talk about? Absolutely none. You, did you enjoy any of them no. or have any joy? No, zero. I really wish I could like pull some. Mo no. Oh, then okay, we're gonna save the last one for last. But were there any that you hated the most? I guess the things with the kids, the things with the guy in the trunk, the things with you know what was fine. We men in an Oompa Loompa costume skating. Okay, so that, that that's the most positive one. Then. Yeah, it, it was not good. It was, I mean, sick tricks, dude, I guess, but uh, whatever. So it's like, not a lot of clips going on there, but yeah. <laughs> Wee Man dresses up like an Oompa Loompa and skates around LA. That's the skit. That's the skit. It's kind of silly. I guess the the the, the humor is supposed to be like you know a little person. people reaction shots. Yeah, 
Um, and this felt a lot like the skate portions of the Big Brother videos. This is an original skit. Um, but in the first Big Brother video, Wee Man paints himself blue and dyes his hair orange and just walks around LA, you know, and just, it's all about like people reacting to him. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's kind of silly. That's a person in Blue Man group. Yeah. Or, yep. or this one, it's like, oh, that's funny. It's, it's a little man dressed like an Oompa Loompa and he's skateboarding, you know? And like, it's, it's, mo it's just like a little montage. And that's yeah. the thing. Like this show, like, I think another piece of its appeal, it's super guerrilla filmmaking. Like yeah. it, it's so low rent, almost low effort, you know, in terms of editing and stuff like that. It's like no frills. Like it's, it's just like very like chop, you know, chop up segments, make a quick montage and just like throw ideas at the wall. Yeah. It's like, everything's different. Yeah. It, in a, in a lot of ways, it reminds me of the ECW hardcore TV, TV show. Uh, ECW was a wrestling promotion in the nineties known for hardcore extreme wrestling, you know, and, uh, their TV show, Hardcore TV, was very much like this, you know, crash TV style where it was just like, we're just going to throw stuff at the wall super quick. Don't dwell too much on a certain thing. Just like, OK, that segment's done. Next segment. And it may just be shot differently, edited differently. It might be a montage. Mm -hmm. We might have some music going underneath. Uh, just different ideas. So J.A. has that feel. It goes from a very slow you know, he has the cowboy bebop music, music of, yeah, of, of Johnny Knoxville testing self-defense equipment to him. Fade out, fade in on a parody of the Oompa Loompa song with yeah. Wee Man. You know, and it has like some basic effects. <laughs> Very that are, basic. That are meant to make fun of the 70s. So you mentioned some ones that you, you didn't care for, that you didn't All like. All of them. So what's the, name one. Let's, let's, let's talk about them. Pushing each other and... What are they? Baskets? Shopping carts. Trolleys? So the sh the sh that's, a, that's a good one to, to talk about because the shopping carts uh, stunts. Is what got Bam Bam kicked out of his city. Yeah, well, uh, so yeah, there, there's a segment called shopping carts and it's basically Bam and his friends pushing each other around in shopping carts into curbs and like launching out of them, you know, and hitting trees and bushes and hitting the ground hard. Um I guess I have a clip of that. <laughs> Again, it's just like you're going to hear some shopping cart sounds and then someone fall. <laughs> I'm Jackass and you're watching Rab himself. That was Rab himself. He got a uh, he got hurt. <laughs> Uh, that was from the I hospital. That was, him at, that was him in a hospital bed. How how could he possibly have gotten hurt? So a lot of the shopping cart stunts are from the CKY videos. Like that's kind of like just like with Johnny Knoxville, the self defense stuff is kind of like the height of the the, the Big, Big Brother, Brother videos. Uh, shopping carts is the the crown jewel of CKY videos. You know, and they they revisit the shopping cart forever. They, they a lot a lot. Um, Twice so, an episode, three times an episode. Well, they, they have a bunch of reused footage from the CKY videos, mm -hmm. uh, in, including segments like medieval shopping carts, where they they do like jousting in shopping carts. That sounds stupidly dangerous. It, it is. <laughs> That's the appeal of it. And honestly, this might be my second favorite segment of this first episode. Because what, again, shopping carts? Yeah, it's just, again, it's just, you know, it's the... the the ingrained uh, enjoyment of seeing other people hurt themselves, you know, and of taking pratfalls and being stupid. Yeah, I guess that's the, it, it is what it is. It's like if I was to like rank 
the segments in this first episode show would be self-defense shopping carts. Okay. Well, and 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 then um, talking about the, the the reuse of the shopping cart idea uh, in the first movie, the the opening credits are the cast, and you know it's the cast that you're introducing all the different people, and they're all rolling down a street like almost like a san francisco street you know like a very steep one in a giant shopping cart they're all in one giant shopping cart i don't like that (laughs) i don't like i don't like the sound of any of that that sounds like scraped skin exposed muscles broken bones faces disfigured i don't like it i don't like it (laughs) but that's the thing like the the movies get super elaborate with the ideas and i think that's the thing that separates not only the later like properties like the the movies from mm-hmm. the show because the show is like super low to the ground right it's just like it's, stuff it, you can do with the camcorder yeah, exactly whereas the movies and then obviously what separates the movies from like you know your your imitators you know your youtubers who are also trying to imitate this stuff the movies have a way more production value and they're more ambitious mm-hmm. you know it's just bigger bigger yeah. ideas that you can't necessarily replicate without yeah. mtv money you get a crane to get Slow-mo. some shots. Yeah. yeah. What's another segment from this television I've show? I've named some. You give yours. <laughs> well, you, you you named a few like quickly, but let's let's talk about the car thing. Do they stopping at the gas stations? The man in trunk stunt or prank. Can I help you? I need a hardware store. Do you know where a hardware store is? Down here to the right. Do you have any industrial strength adhesives? Someone is in here. Yeah, I think my car is rattling. Yep, so uh another element of JA. So you got you got the, the stunts where they're hurting themselves. Mm-hmm. And then the other side is the pranks. And uh this first episode is kind of half and half, I guess. Stunts and pranks. Yeah, I guess. And uh, this is one of those pranks where they just go out in public and they set up a funny scenario. And it's like Candid Camera, essentially. Mm-hmm. Like, this is this is not new to this show. Candid Camera was around the freaking 70s, where it's just like, we're going to prank people. And mm-hmm. and this became like MTV's like bread and butter for a while. Yeah. Like, they had TV punked shows. Like, and- punked. Uh, Boiling Point. Remember that one? No. Where they just set up hidden cameras around in a, an establishment and basically it was like, let's say like a, like a restaurant mm-hmm. and people would come in and the point was to make the, let's say this restaurant is to offer like annoying or, or irritating service, mm-hmm. basically press the buttons of whoever was in there, just mm-hmm. unassuming, you know? And if that person oh, got uh, like blew their lid or cursed or yelled or raised their voice at like inconvenience or being annoyed and you know by the circumstances of the show if they did that then they lost but if they were able to keep their cool they won cash did they know they were on the no apparently like maybe maybe it was all scripted but dumb yeah but that that was that was mtv was all about the the public pranks there was a reason i did not watch mtv (laughs) hidden camera pranks um and and honestly these are my least favorite parts of ja Mm -hmm. which is weird i was watching the Red Letter Media program Half in the Bag. Mm-hmm. They were talking about the most recent movie. And for those guys, their favorite stunts are the pranks. <laughs> the, the, the go out in public and, and do stuff. Nope. So nope. anyway, with this prank, it's Johnny Knoxville riding around in a, in a convertible. And he's asking gas stations and places that were, can I get, you have any rope? 
And then there, Chris Pontius is in the back, in the trunk, kind of pressing up against the the Wait. trunk door <laughs> and screaming. Yeah. And the I guess the prank is like he's going to pop out and he's going to run around, run away. He's half naked and bound. So Johnny's asking for rope and adhesive and sometimes shovels or something like that. And it's to catch people unawares catch it's to make people think that he's asking for rope to do crime of murder yeah and like that's what i'm saying it's like with the the with the pranks in this episode like the reactions aren't all that funny like they're just kind of like if they do get a reaction at all it's sort of just like oh you know that guy got surprised by a naked man jumping out of a trunk Uh, yeah i was annoyed because nobody stopped them like I was annoyed because, like, you're bothering people, one. And two, like, unless they cut the cameras, because I could not imagine people not, like, stopping this dude before he drove off. You know, like, nope, somebody called the police. There, go and help that man. Make sure he's okay. Like, you can't go. You're not going to get his license plate number. You had a person in your trunk. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like. There's there's a couple guys who, like. I have the clip here. This is actually this one made me laugh when we were watching it because, like, rather than like play it off like, hey, do you have any some? Do you have some rope? Like, oh, what's that in your trunk? Oh, it's just making noise. I don't know what that's about. Like this one, he just like straight up tells the the mark. Yeah. What what's going on? Excuse me, sir. I have a full grown semi nude man bound with duct tape in my trunk, and I was trying to get out the desert to bury him. Uh, how do I hit the five south? So I'm like, I appreciate the just the honesty up front. Okay. That, that kind of made that that one kind of turned the the whole the the segment on its head. It was mm. just like you know, it was a subversion. So it made me laugh. Yeah. But that that guy in that clip, he like the second Johnny Knoxville said, "Hey, I have a man in my trunk. I'm gonna go bury him." He turns around like he's about to go call the police. So I think he I think he was gonna be a good Samaritan. We can only hope. Uh, and this this segment here also uh, shows a common trope in JA, which is Chris Pontius likes to be naked all he, the time. He does. It's his preferred state of being, it seems. <laughs> Your sexiness just scares people. From my um, experiments with sexiness, it seems like a lot of people are afraid at first, and fear usually equals violence. But eventually, I'll win their hearts, and instead of fighting, they'll want to make love to me. Even the men? Yep. Yep. Be secure in your sexuality, my guy. It, uh, Some men will probably find you attractive. I, they're dumb. <laughs> they, uh, it's not featured in, in this episode, but a reoccurring segment in JA is for Chris Pontius to basically, it's called Party Boy. Party Boy. Mm-hmm. And it's him in like tearaway clothes. You know, he'll go out into public, like he'll go into like an establishment and like, Oh yeah, it's a good time to party. And he has got like a boombox, and he hits play on it, and starts playing like some crappy rave music. And he, he's like tear away pants, like he'll tear his pants off, and take off his shirt, and he's into like a you know a man thong, mm-hmm. banana hammock. Yeah. And he'll just dance around, and that's that's the joke. I just it's again, it's just the like going. That reminds me of that other one that Johnny did. I don't remember, but he like was going around just bothering people and he was in he went in and started just dancing in the taekwondo dojo while they were having class and like people had to shove him out like uh, like why yeah um, 
I get it. I, I, I t- I, I'm with you. These are my least favorite stunts, you know, and like they, they, the here, here's like what happens is like after the show ends, all of these men are too famous to even like be undercover out in public anymore, mm-hmm. right? They just get noticed too often. It's sort of like Borat. Right. That's a, that, honestly like that's another piece of DNA that's in this this show is the Borat stuff like Borat and Bruno and like the undercover secret camera reality movies that were made you know mm-hmm. like there's they all occupied the same space you know and I think I'll bring it up with another segment in a second on what the difference between I think Borat versus this you know and it relates to who they're pranking mm-hmm. but before I get into that um what happened is they, they were all way too famous, right? And they, they couldn't like go out and be themselves anymore. So they had to rely on gimmicks. Mm-hmm. So at some point they decided just to put on like old people makeup, like old man makeup, like Johnny Knoxville puts on old man makeup and goes out and plays bad grandpa. Mm-hmm. And that's where you get the bad grandpa skits. Okay. Where, you know, he's just like this naughty old man, you know, or he's like inconveniencing people on the street and stuff like that. Ugh. Uh, and then I think for the second movie, rather than do hidden camera pranks in the in the states, they go to Japan to do hidden camera pranks. No, they do. They they do like you know party boy in Japan. No, this is why the world thinks badly of us. <laughs> well, I mean, let's be honest. There's lots of reasons, and they're mostly right. But why? Why? It's fine. It's fine. It's cool. Continue. <laughs> oh, I have some notes on uh, the, um, the 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 public pranks here. So, uh, reportedly, JA did not use permits for any of its early pranks. Yeah. I'm not surprised. Spike Jones described it as quote We were doing it in the way we had done it our skate videos. Just you know, a camera, an idea, and a group of friends. This approach did change eventually. And Knoxville said quote Eventually, we became smarter and would get a location agreement. With a willing store owner first, we tip them off and say, we're coming to do this prank, but don't tell your employees. Do you think that's better or worse? I I think it just depends. It's better for the person who owns the place, but not for the people who are working a job that they hate anyway and have to deal with customers. And now you're coming in to be a sour customer. And my boss is going to play around like, hey, you need to believe the customer's always right. The customer is king. You need to like put up with this dude that is smearing poop on the wall. (laughs) Like, no, it's not better (laughs) because it's the person who has to be here for a paycheck and smile. I was like, would you work at a place where the owner agreed to let a TV show prank you? No, I wouldn't work at a place or if any job that I had was like, hey, we're going to have cameras come in. Tell me the days. I'm, I'm using my vacation. I'm not going to be here for that. Bye. <laughs> uh, so another public prank that you did mention, in which I think uh, I think I actually I, I think it's even worse than the, the man in trunk prank. It is. is. It's it's daddy and baby. What happens in daddy and baby? A man is riding on a bike with a baby stroller on the back and then purposely falls horribly slinging the child out of the carrier case onto hard concrete to uh to in front of passer buyers yeah to scare concerned passersby yeah Okay. 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 Oh, shit. Oh, shit. 
of course the baby is it's it's a doll. It's a little doll. Yeah. But this one in particular made me like I just like I I I'm not laughing at the marks, you know, like the people who they're they're pranking. I just feel like pity for them. I feel bad for them because it's like they're just concerned people. Like they're just like good people, like, you know, good natured people yeah. and they're just like being you know, the butt of a joke. Yeah. You know, it's not, and it's not a joke. It's not a joke. It's a horrifying thing. Like w at the end, you definitely heard uh, kids. Maybe, maybe you didn't, but like there was a woman who screamed, the baby, oh no, the baby. Like she's standing there uh, surrounded by kids that look like her. There's like three kids that are probably hers. And she's freaking out because like a baby's head just hit cement and he just like gets up and puts it back and rides away like like it's nothing. And I think like for a lot of we were sitting there and I was well, I was getting so mad about it because I was like, you don't know what people have been through. Like, could you imagine just a, a woman or like a couple walking down the street having just had a miscarriage and watch this happen? Like, how old are these boys doing it in their early 20s? I get that you're like not fully formed in your frontal lobe. And I get, but like, you know, it's not funny. It's that, not that, that's funny. what I'm saying. Like this is like mean spirited, you know? Cause you're just like, I, I feel like if you're going to prank people, you got to like prank up, you know, like don't I, punch I, down it, 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 just like comedy, right? Like don't punch down. Like don't, don't prank like just innocent people. Like, like good natured people, you know, it's like most people would be concerned if they saw a baby take a tumble. You know, yeah, um, that it's not funny. You know, I feel like the show, like, especially in its later iterations, will kind of abandon this, you know, where they're making fun of service people and just like random, like good natured people on the street. Um, they, they mostly just start pranking themselves, which I think is fine. It's like mm -hmm. you're the you all agreed to do this. Yeah. It's OK if you start pranking each other like they prank Bam Margera all the time with snakes because he, he, he hates snakes. Mm -hmm. So they use snake pranks all the time on him. Mm -hmm. And that's funny. Um, or they prank like establishments, you know, mm -hmm. I, I think like, you know, like not individuals, but like, you know, they make fun of um, like McDonald's. Yeah, they, they don't go after the people <laughs> yeah yeah uh cool good that's not what you made me watch though so no i agree yeah, I was like, <laughs> this this is the stuff that made me feel like just just icky you know yeah. just like uh, you know like icky in the, the the moral sense yeah there's stuff that'll make me feel icky in the icky sense but uh speaking of daddy and baby uh they would revisit the concept twice more for the series Ugh. like it's a mileage out of daddy and baby <laughs> Any other uh, skits you want to talk about, or no. or or you can remember? No, none, mm -mm. not a single one. Can't remember anything. So, how what was the legacy? <laughs> I got I got two more. Okay. Uh, the first one I can't even say the name of because it is another curse word, but it's Fat F's. Okay. <laughs> it stars Bam Margera and Brandon D. Camillo, who have like taped pillows and bubble wrap to their their bodies. And put on oversized clothes to basically just like appear overweight, mm -hmm. you know, and just it, it, it's just them trying to either do skateboard tricks while with all this extra padding on them. Well, at least they're safe. Yeah. Or, you know, like, you know, trying to like run through the street or something like that. And like, that's where I was like, don't bother people in the street. You know, yeah. they're just driving. Yeah, at one point, they like run out in front of a, they, a car. Yep. Like one, you're doing damage to my vehicle. Two, if I hit you, even if I don't kill you. 
I'm going to be not okay. Continue. But but for, for them to go to the skate park and basically try to do s skits with all this extra weight and padding on them, mm -hmm. that's funny to me. Yeah. It's like they're, sure. you know, taking falls. And like there's one where like, bam, like you see a very real reaction from Bam where he like hurts himself so bad where he just gets angry and throws his skateboard and breaks it. So like yeah. stuff like that, it's like, I don't know. I find it, it's a lot like fail videos where yeah. I, I, I think I'm, at one point they were trying to like grind on a thing and then the, the skateboard slipped out and they just fell on their padded groin. Yep. That, that one got a laugh out of me. Yeah. <laughs> you, but if it happened to you, you would have broken your skateboard too. Oh yeah. I'd be so <laughs> upset. I remember one time we went, to, I, I went to like a, like a, like a thing with our friends and there, there was a, an egg toss. It was like a, like an event. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was basically like throw eggs. Yeah. It was, like, catch them, was, it, it. was it an egg toss or like an egg, like you hold it on a spoon to like balance. One of those things. Anyway, a, a stray egg got thrown and it hit me right in the face. Ooh, and it made me face. so mad. I believe you. I got so mad, you know, because it was not just the pain because it, it hurt because it hit me like right in the eyeball. Oof. Uh, but I had egg on my face and my clothes. And yeah, I, I was, I was, you a, went home. I was not a happy camper. No. So I understand. I couldn't do what these guys do. No, no, you could not. It takes a, it takes a special kind of person to, uh, to do what these folks do. Before we get to the main event, I'm like thinking through. It's like, did we, did we cover all of the different cast members? You know, we got a Johnny segment, a Bam segment, a Wee Man segment. No, Stevo. Stevo is not a, a big presence in this first episode. No, but we can talk about Stevo and Wild Boys. True, true. So in the first episode of Wild Boys, <laughs> stop that. <laughs> There's a there is a, a brief clip where Steve-O takes a shot using only his face, like he opens his mouth wide enough to like, oh, like just down a whole shot of yeah, yeah. down down a drink with his face. Was it a shot? I think it might have been a pint of beer even. I don't remember. <laughs> That's like the only Steve-O clip in here, you know. And Dave England and Preston Lacey are like non-existent in this first episode either, yeah. you know. So you didn't get into them. Uh, Danger Aaron does a stupid skit where he intercepts fast food when oh, it's yeah. being handed off from the fast food window to a car. Yep. And he's dressed like a football player. That's not a very funny prank. It's really lame. No. Correct. <laughs> but main event time. Do you remember what the name of the main event segment was called? Gross. And then I turned away. There's also the name of the episode is the Poo Cocktail. Good morning, this is Johnny Knoxville calling. I'm doing uh, a stunt tomorrow uh -huh. where I get put in a porta potty uh -huh. and dumped upside down. And it's going to be full of uh, poo and whatnot. And I need to know what pertinent shots I need to receive before this stunt goes down. I know it's an odd question. <laughs> So uh, in addition to the st like stunts and the public pranks, uh, the other leg of the J.A. Uh, show is the gross out stunts, mm -hmm. which are my least favorite. Yes. All, of all. I hate gross out humor. You do. This so it's true. like I, if, if, if the show dropped all of this stuff completely, I, I'd say it would make the show even better. But okay. it, it, by the way, this stuff never goes away. The gross out stuff? No. It's it's always there. It's always it's present. It's probably because it's the easiest for them to like recover from and I, I guess so, yeah. So yeah, we're we're not gonna play any clips of of this stunt going down because it's disgusting. Cool. I had already muted. 
Oh like, yeah, no, I didn't hear whatever clip whips. Oh no, it's just it was talking. her calling or him calling the lady okay, to, cool. to get the lowdown. He's like, "What shots it. do I need?" Which hey, all yeah, of them precaution. Good That's job. Good. I'm glad they put that in for all the idiot children out there. No offense. No one's children. got a crane. No one's gonna be able to hang a porta potty upside down. You could very easily just move it to find one on the end of a hill, put your friend in it and push. Yeah, that's not good. Don't do that. <laughs> that's what that's that's what a child with no means would do. Get your shots. Yeah, yeah. This 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 Don't is, do it is what I mean. <laughs> this is a horrible thing. Like we both looked away and like just just held our hands up and we're just like, I can't I can't look at the screen. No. It's, it's horrible. It's very not good. Yeah, it's just unpleasant and uh disgusting and Unfortunately, this is not the only gross-out stunt that Jay has done. There's a lot of them. Uh, and you're going to list them all right now. No, I'm not. But uh, they did revisit the Pooh Cocktail in the third movie as the Pooh Cocktail Supreme. Don't explain it. <laughs> I don't want it. So rather than a crane, they used a bungee jump cord thing. And they jumped into it? You know, like, you, know, like, you go to the, the like... Like an amusement park, and they have that little. You get a little bucket, and it like it, it it's, you know, attached to bungee cords, and it like releases you. Yeah. You go flying up into the air, and then it goes up and down several yeah. times. That it, but instead of a bucket, it's a porta potty. Okay. <laughs> Ew. Yep, it's gross. It's not good. Nope. And Ew. that's <laughs> that's the end of J A. Woo! Yeah! Get a get a Let's hear what happens in the next episode. No. You said we were done. My name is Johnny Knoxville, and today I'm going to jump the L.A. River. <laughs> he jumps the L.A. River because every episode you got to find out what happens next time. Okay. Uh, he breaks his ankle jumping the L.A. River, by the way. And that was the first stunt film for the show, like oh, original stunt. The wow. first thing he does is, is break his leg. Break his leg. Break, so, break your leg, kid. I had I considered doing like a an injury roundup where I talk about the many injuries that the cast sustained while filming this show and its iterations, but uh, no one wants to hear that. No. Johnny Knoxville, broken, he got hurt real man. bad. No, he got hurt real bad in yeah. one of their direct-to-video things. Uh, I don't even want to describe it. It's okay. so unpleasant. I'm good. Thanks. Yep. So that is that. Yep. Would you recommend no. the show? <laughs> I wouldn't either. I'm telling you, like, there, there's... I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie. There's, there's value in this show in my opinion like i not for everybody it's a, it's a certain taste only i'd only recommend it to certain people right but like there's there's little bit you know little there's stunts and sequences where it's just like that 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 gave me so much joy like i went and saw the third movie in theaters and i it was one of the most one of the best theater experiences i've ever had the whole theater was laughing it was great no kids <laughs> no just say no but but Here's the thing. In relation to the later movies, this is not good. Like this this first episode is a poor like I can see where the, you know how it started and you know how it's going to evolve from here, but this is not good. I would not it's so low rent and just kind of like they're full, they're finding out what works and what doesn't and they're throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks. The stuff that f didn't stick is present here and it's not good. Yeah. I wouldn't recommend it. No. What did the world think about J.A.? Well, J.A. was a ratings smash for MTV. <sighs> Frequently the network's highest rated show, in fact. With the second episode, for example, MTV gained its highest Sunday ratings in history, drawing 2.4 million viewers amongst the 12 to 34-year-olds its target demographic. 
This would be a Sunday night show, so you could talk about it at school the next day. Yep. Uh, the, <laughs> that that release t- time frame would get later and later as the show went on. Uh, it would debut later and later. So that the children weren't watching yes, it? Yes, but they, they talked about it. It's like, MT, I think an MTV executive was interviewed. He was like, no matter where we put the show, people found it and watched it. Like, So it was a rating success no matter where they put it. So they uh, could put it at, you know... 2 a.m. Yeah, and, and it didn't matter. That's when I... like I, I, I of the few times I did watch this show in reruns when I was a teenager, it was always super late at night. Mm. So, yeah. Critical reception was polarizing, one could say. For like example, this table. In fact, it was actually really, really hard to find like actual interviews because I feel like most critics just wrote it off as, well, I'm not going to waste my time to <laughs> review this. Uh, for example, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution said, quote, here's the thing. J.A. can be funny. If you're the type who knows deep down you can't spell idiot without the id. That's a good quote. Yeah. Meanwhile, parent-centric outlet Common Sense Media said, quote, If this show were to have another title, it probably ought to be Men Behaving Badly or Insanely or both. Okay. Yeah, it was like the parents. Parents guide. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Don't let your kids watch this, by the way. Don't, kids. Yeah, it was like, be smarter than that. Entertainment Weekly had a very balanced review saying, quote, for my money, there is no funnier television experience than watching people hurting themselves, as on MTV's latest extreme stunt series, J.A. However, this review also decried the series' reliance on gross-out stunts, saying, quote, I'm not convinced the poop and puke stunts on J.A. will have any longevity. It's a type of humor that tends to lose its luster once the initial shock value disappears, which if I agree. I, I honestly agree with that. Like I was like, yeah, that, that, that was a fair analysis That's by true. Entertainment Weekly. That's true, but they didn't lose it. <laughs> fair analysis, terrible prophesy. It just got more elaborate. <laughs> and in a retrospective review, The Guardian noted, watching the J.A. show and films today, the stunts are still as gross and inadvisable as ever, but the bond between Knoxville, Margera, Dunn, Pontius, Dave England, Aaron McGahee, Jason Acuna, and Preston Lacey, plus all their friends and family who co-star, is undoubtedly what makes the show feel so special. While other prank shows came before and have come since, it's the friendship on display in J.A. that brings an unexpected wholesomeness to the show, as the stars are as quick to display concern about each other's well-being as they are to do something silly. And I think I agree with that sentiment as well. It's like, what makes this show as great as it is, it's the people involved and the heart that they bring to it. Hmm. This is like a group, a lovable group of idiots, you know. Mm, group of idiots. <laughs> <laughs> Surprisingly, J.A. didn't win any awards. What? But it was nominated for two Teen Choice Awards in 2001. I don't know why I thought you were going to say Cheech Marin Awards. And I was like, no. <laughs> anyway, do you know who wasn't a fan of J.A.? The president. Senator Joe Lieberman. Joe, Joe Lieberman. <laughs> That's how he talks. Uh, responding to reports that children were, despite disclaimers on the show discouraging this very thing, attempting to recreate stunts from the show, true. resulting in bodily injury and death, Lieberman sent a letter to MTV's parent company, Viacom, urging the company to take greater responsibility for its programming and do more to help parents protect their children. MTV responded to the criticism by canceling all airings of JA before 10 p.m., but Lieberman's continual campaign against the show led to MTV refusing to air repeats of later episodes, a move which angered the cast and production crew of the series who were furious with MTV's, quote, caving to Lieberman's demands. I mean, they weren't canceled. 
No, but they were more or less were because that was the, the, the final straw for the cast. Uh, and honestly, the final straw for MTV. Yeah. It was sort of like the show just got so much heat from mm -hmm. politicians and parents groups that it, it it could survive on on the air television anymore. Okay, that's fair. And, uh, and by that time, MTV had a bunch of prank shows that were more. Palatable. Yeah, yeah. By this point, I'm sure, you know, punked and, and all those other reality shows were were on right you know, so they didn't really need this one the grandfather yeah i mean that's fine sorry for people who had jobs and enjoyed the making of this well hold on we're not done yet because i got the legacy this wasn't the legacy no man ja ran for three seasons of 25 episodes uh, i'm trying to <laughs> just like my show i'm trying to think of like standout. i'm trying to think of like standout pranks from this show and later on and like I, I can't even like this this show is so disposable like it's sort of like you watch it you you consume it and then like gone. It, it's gone it just leaves you you know like I remember Johnny Knoxville breaking his ankle in the LA River um, <laughs> there's there's a prank where Dave England goes to a goes to a uh Pub? a hardware store you know or like a Home Depot where they have the the model bathrooms and no, stop. I don't want to hear the rest yeah, of that. that you you bad. can guess where that one goes. Uh, that, that's his claim to fame. Uh, Preston Lacey and uh, Wee Man have a constant series of skits where it's like you got the heavy guy and you got, you know, the little person and they're like either chasing each other or, or something. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that's that's all. You know, that, that's that's that. Anyway, by the end of the show's run, the controversies, MTV subsequent responses, low salaries and growing dissatisfaction among the cast. Brought an unceremonious end to the show. Aww. But the prospect of an R-rated theatrical film with less limitations intrigued the cast and crew. And thus, J.A. the Movie, released in 2002. Boo. <laughs> in 2003, MTV ordered two spin-off shows. Viva La Bam, which followed the antics of Bam Margera, his family, and the CKY crew. And Wild Boys. The only good thing to come out of Jaw. A nature travel show hosted by Steve-O and Chris Pontius, directed by Jeff Tremaine. So, yeah, Wild Boys is what, it's sort of like the... the final form. It's not the final form, but it's like a good evolution of the J.A. concept. Yeah. Because Wild Boys, it's Steve-O and Chris Pontius traveling the world, you know, and like, you know, like having stunts with animals. Like, they, they don't hurt any animals. It's mostly just like them interacting with weird exotic, exotic animals or exotic foods it's a travel show with two idiots yes and rather than those other pranks that we talked about where good-natured passers-by are the butt of the joke in all of wild boys steve-o and pontius are the butt of the joke yep they're made fun of like they're the fishes out of water yep and it's funny yes and you learn stuff Though in the first episode, they do get out of the car to play catch with a, a slab of meat and some hyenas. That was foolhardy, but they didn't die. So yeah, I, of, of all these of all these families of shows, like I would recommend Wild Boys. Is actually, Absolutely. like there's some gross out stuff in there, you know, and 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 whatever, you know, there's still like bodily harm, but it's mm. like if you have a tolerance for that, like Wild Boys has a lot to offer. Yeah, Viva La Bam is just cringy now. Uh, it's, it's a lot of it's pretty rehearsed, like mm. especially like I'm an adult and I can see right through it. You know, <sighs> a lot of it is scripted. It's or or because MTV wouldn't have picked them up again. If yeah, and, and then also like the the stuff that isn't scripted. Like Bam is just kind of like an unsavory person. You know, mm. like he's unhinged. He's given a lot of money and power, Ugh. and he just like can get away with anything. And it's nope. like not not a good character trait. Nope. 
you know? No. And he's like just terrorizing his parents for no reason. Leave. <laughs> Leave your child. He's old enough. Anyway, various spin-off series starring different iterations of the cast have aired on MTV and elsewhere since, including Ryan Dunn's Homebreaker, Brandon DiCamillo and Ray Keown's Blastazoid, Bam's Unholy Union, Dr. Stevo, Bam's World Domination, and Bam's Bad A Game Show. Why did Bam get so much travel out of this? He was like MTV's golden child. Ugh. Yeah. Spoiled child. I believe another one I didn't mention was uh, Jeff Tremaine directed the MTV reality show Rob and Big. Mm. <laughs> That's another one of those. Yeah, hey, it's just like <laughs> it's just like other shows that were never as good as like their their heyday. Ah, uh, okay. You know, like Doctor Stevo is like embarrassing. Oof. It's sort of like a Room Raiders room renovation type show mm-hmm. with Stevo. Yeah, weird. Yeah, it's just like not good. No. <laughs> This, by this point, it's like it was just like super cringy because it's like the edginess that seemed appealing in the early 2000s had worn off by this point. It's yeah. Like, the, the world didn't want edgy anymore. No. They'd are. The, 2000 was the. I'm way too close to the edge and I'm about to break. But by 2004, 2007 or something, yeah, we were yeah. the. Uh, I don't know what, what was popular then. Hope we were done. We've been in war for almost a decade. Yeah. <laughs> There have been three more theatrical J.A. films. Number two, 2006. 3D, 2010. And Forever, 2022. Okay. Four direct-to-DVD slash direct-to-streaming films. 2.5, 2007. J.A. presents Matt Hoffman's tribute to Evil Knievel, 2008. 3.5 in 2011. And 4.5 in 2022. And two spinoff films. Got J.A. presents Bad Grandpa and J.A. presents Bad Grandpa 0.5. (laughs) They're all for their decimals in this crew. The show has also spawned four television specials. J.A. Backyard Barbecue in 2002. J.A.com 24-hour takeover in 2008, which was, they had like this short-lived website. It was meant, it was sort of, I I think they were trying to capitalize on the fail blog Mm -hmm. craze of the mid-2000s. Remember fail blog? No. It's it's sort of like you see those fail videos on YouTube, but it was just like funny pratfalls and America's home video type videos on the internet. Got it. And obviously this crew, like they, that was their bread and butter. So they decided to create a website of either original stunts and pranks that they filmed themselves. And then user submitted ones. Mm, That sounds not like a good idea. It was short lived. Yeah. But this whole event was meant to launch that. Got it. You got a tribute to Ryan Dunn in 2011. Uh, So Ryan Dunn passed away, Uh, not from the show. He was in a car accident. Uh, and that was really sad, but yeah. So this was just kind of like a tribute to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, he's actually, I think, the only cast member to pass away since the show started. So mm-hmm. yeah, young. Rest in peace, Ryan Dunn. And J. A. Shark Week in 2021. Maybe that's like a return to the Wild Boy stuff. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to check. <laughs> they're older man. They're older men now. There have been two J. A. video games. You got J. A. the Game in 2007. And J.A. Human Slingshot in 2022. Okay, I can suppose what Human Slingshot is as a game. What is what oh, is the oh, play, gameplay of... The, that game is horrible. I've, I've seen a lot of like videos of it. Uh, it's basically a mini game collection, like Mario Party. Mm-hmm. But they're extreme stunts from the show. Like, you know... 
Sounds bad. Yeah, it, it, it is bad. It's badly made. It's just a dumb game. I'll get you one. For oh, I also didn't mention this, but uh, the JA cast appeared in uh, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater Underground 2. Huh. So. Cool. Yeah, Tony Hawk's Underground 2. Nice. Thug 2. Okay. So if you want to see uh, Steve-O riding a mechanical bull or you want to control him doing that in a Tony Hawk game, it's out there. Yeah, you can do it. Yep. <laughs> Go rent it from your local blockbusters. And the franchise has also spawned a trading card set in 2022. Trading? I don't. I'm not going to ask questions. JA has inspired or been associated with various extreme stunt, prank, and comedy series, including The Dudesons, Nitro Circus, Meg 64, among many others. And finally, in 2022, a JA reboot series was announced, expected to air on Paramount+. Plus. No! I, I have not seen the newest movie, but I guess they introduced a, a, a new... Fresh-faced cast, because uh, the original cast is too old to keep doing this. Oh, my gosh. So expect that on Paramount+. Plus. No. If you're into that kind of thing. And that's it. Yay! We did it. What had the better show? Whose show was better? You, your show was that's better. That's correct. I was, I, I was like, you know, I, I can't... There's no there's no reasonable part of me that can argue that J.A. was better than Black None. That's That would be foolhardy. And that's not something that either of us at this table would no, do. No. Argue for something that was yeah. not correct. Yeah, Black Books. Winner. Congratulations. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Oh, man. It was not. It was a very easy win. Yeah. So uh, what's next on the agenda? Well, let's talk about runners up because I'm about ready to be done with this episode. <laughs> <laughs> talk about what you wish you could have watched compared to what we just talked about. Yes. All right. If we weren't watching Jaw for you, we could have been watching Even Stevens, a show I equally. No, not equally. Definitely not. Equally. Even Stevens would have been I better also, than this. I, yeah. Even Stevens would have been better. Um, we could have watched actual like, cannibal Shia LaBeouf. I don't like Even Stevens. Uh, we also could have been watching the Brothers Garcia. Oh man, that's a great show. You would love that. So, uh, oh yeah, Brothers Garcia was a live action sitcom on uh, Teen Nick, mm. uh, whatever their teen centric block was on on Nickelodeon. But it was a show about a Latin family living in Southern California, a lot like. A lot like my family. Well, like, you know, just very, very close to home. Mm. Um, and it was just a group. Like, the thing about this show was every season was a different year in these kids' lives, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think it was like, I think there were four kids in the in the, the family Garcia, you know? And the youngest started out in sixth grade elementary school. And then his brothers were like either in middle school or high school. And every year they moved up, you know? Mm -hmm. So you got to see them all interact in different permutations, you know? So it was like some years... Only him and his sister were at the middle school, you know, without their big brothers there, you mm -hmm. know, so that you're like, you know, who's going to protect us from bullies or whatever, mm -hmm. you know. And then you got a, a scene where you got like a season where the oldest brother was in high school by himself. Mm -hmm. And then when his younger brother joined him in high school, he had the you had that thing where, you know, the younger brother wants to hang out with the big brother, but the big brother's too cool. Yeah. You know? He's like, you can't hang out with me, my friends. <laughs> So it was. It's a. It's a great show. Okay. I remember it fondly. Yeah. Um, we also get to watch Jackie Chan Adventures, which I much would have preferred. Was that not one of your runners up mm -hmm. as well? No, I, I watched it. But I didn't really watch that much of it. Yeah, I never finished it. I think what happened. It, it just like ran a little too long. So like, I liked it because it was serialized and it was cool. It was yeah. Like, it, it was a lot like you know getting into anime. You know, it was obviously an American production, but mm -hmm. like it had a storyline. The whole season, they're trying to find the talismans or something, yeah. right? You know, you need hair of you. That's how I know you is Jackie. A female, a female sheep. You, you. Anyway. One more thing. 
Yeah. Anyway, yeah, Jack, Jackie Chan's good. Uh, we also could have been watching one more thing. <laughs> Static Shock. Which is a show for you. Yeah. yeah. yeah and yeah. it was also one of my shows. That is a. As a runner up. It's it, an excellent cartoon. Yeah, DC superhero TV show on Kids WB. It's probably the same block as Jackie Chan Adventures. Probably. Actually. Yeah. I remember like, honestly, like back in this time, it was like, get up 7 a.m. on Saturday morning. Watch Pokemon, Jackie Chan, Mucha Lucha, <laughs> uh, Static Shock. And Static Shock is a great cartoon. It's such a great cartoon. It's so good. It's such a good show. We also could have been watching you had a lot one, of shows. One this more year. thing. Stop it. We also could have been watching Yu-Gi-Oh! Cardmaster Sakura. No. <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Monsters. Yu-Gi-Oh! Bright Eyes Blight Dragon. <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh! Yu-Gi-Oh! I'm from the hood. So Yu-Gi-Oh! We all know Yu-Gi-Oh! This is the, the Yu-Gi-Oh! that aired on Kids WB mm. uh, with <laughs> with the Shadow Realm. My uncle loved Yu-Gi-Oh. Loved him some Yu-Gi-Oh. Oh, I was unlike Pokemon where it like took me a while to like warm up to it mm-hmm. or Dragon Ball Z. I was hooked on Yu-Gi-Oh the, from the second I saw it. Oh, like wow. I saw the first episode on a like a school day afternoon mm-hmm. at Derek my friend Derek's house. Yeah. And uh I was like this is so cool. <laughs> and then like you know it was great cuz it was it was by that point uh I guess you you could say it was syndicated but mm-hmm. you know they aired a new episode every day on oh, Kids nice, WB. Nice. So every afternoon, you'd come home, do your homework, watch Yu-Gi-Oh! And right. I got the whole story. And then I remember by the time I caught up to where they were airing new episodes on Saturdays, Saturdays they had reached like the end of the first season where Yu-Gi-Oh! Yugi is uh, participating in like the tournament finals. Mm-hmm. And it was this like two month long event where you <laughs> just saw the, the full tournament, you know, semifinals and finals. It was no. very exciting. It's very exciting. And I got oh. I got in a fight with my uncle because he wouldn't let me watch one of those tournament episodes new on <laughs> Saturday morning because we were at his at his house, you know. So and he's like, no. He's like, no, we're not watching that. I'm watching this. Well, we're going out. <laughs> like, all right, bye. I'm walking home. Getting my Yu-Gi-Oh. Goodness. Um But yeah, okay. Yu-Gi-Oh, I've seen all the way through. Uh, I, I had gone back and finished the series because I didn't when I was a kid, but I've only seen it once all the way through. Not twice. It's fine. This show will come back and haunt me in the future. What are your runners up? No. Oh, okay. Sure. I'll skip your last one. Oh, what's your last one? Wasn't it? The last one is one that we actually share in common. One last thing. Well, this has been fun, kids. What are, <laughs> what are the plugs that we have? <laughs> well, what is it? As Told by Ginger. That's a good one. That's an excellent show. Yeah. There's a lot of good, good shows. Like I wish we had talked about "As Told to You by Gender by Me," but I, I don't, I, I don't know that I finished it. I never it. finished it. Yeah. Um, and Black Books is 18 episodes. I definitely watched. As it Told by Gender, I believe, is uh, Klasky Chupo's last Nickelodeon series until, until newer, it wasn't. newer Rugrats. <laughs> yeah, it. The show is so good. The show is so good. Yeah, it's a, it's a great little slice of life, uh, teen drama cartoon. Yeah. Uh, for me, if we were watching Black Books, I had only three runners up, two of which we, I share with you, Static Shock and As Told by Ginger. Great year for Jessica. Only good things being watched. <laughs> um, and my last one, which again, definitely would have won if I had just finished the series, was Inuyasha. Oh. The one that you always confuse with everything it's else. With the Catman. I'm going to fight Is he you. a fox? 
we do this every time. Are you, are you messing so with a, me? So he's a dog man. Are you messing with me? He's a dog man. You know what an Inu is. I know, but I just... <laughs> He, he doesn't have dog ears. He does he have, have dog little, ears. He doesn't have little floppy dog ears. He's got do- he's got sh- literal sh- literal inu ears. Inus <laughs> do not have flop ears. All right. <laughs> ah! <laughs> ah! Okay. What is gonna, the show about other than it starts? We're with gonna dog watch man. the first season of Inuasha because I've hit my last straw with you, buddy. Last in the first season, it's not good, but we're gonna watch the whole thing. <sighs> Yugi Asha. Get out. Anyway, <laughs> those were the shows we could have been watching. Yeah. But we did it. I'm quite quite an assortment there. Quite an assortment, he says. Anyway, that is the end of the show. Yes. So we get to close out with some plugs. Plugs. You can follow the show on Twitter and on Instagram at Media Made Show, where we will share things. I don't know what I'm going to share for my show, honestly. I have no <laughs> idea. <laughs> Nope, yeah. I'm not going to help with that. I'm going to struggle with that one. Just fan art. Fan art of broken Johnny Knoxville. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> broken Matt Hardy. Oh, but, uh, yep, you can do that. You can follow the show on your podcast platform of choice. Give please us five tell star. Your- tell your friends. Please, tell your friends. Yeah, please, kids. Leave a, leave a review, all that stuff. Um, as for me, personally, you can follow me on Twitter at RobTheMaster. You can... Uh, Watch a wrestling YouTube show that I host called Keep Kayfabe. That's K-A-Y-F-A-B-E. And you can read stuff that I write on ZeldaDungeon.net. It is a website that covers the Legend of Zelda video game series. What do you got? Um, if you want to follow me, I have a YouTube that I don't upload on because I'm currently a little bit depressed and it's hard to get work out. But I did just publish a book. Hey! <laughs> uh, I have a book that is published uh, through Amazon. So if you would like the Kindle version of it, which don't. <laughs> if you like the Kindle version of it, you you can, or the, if you like to purchase an e-copy of it, you totally can. I just, you know, hopefully before the show goes out, uh, have made some edits because when I uploaded it to that, there was some formatting changes that make the book very confusing. But I also am selling a printed copy through Amazon as well. So if you would like to pick up either of those, that would be awesome. The name of the book is Taming Tales. Wait, that's not. I'm tired. The name of the book is The Process, and my pen name is JB Hatcher. So if you would like to read a book that's not about music, movie, or TV, <laughs> give it a look. The reference is Friends. No, it doesn't. So The Process, JB Hatcher. Check it out. Or don't. <laughs> All right. So with that, we're going to close out our show here today. Um, I was like, okay, what am I going to close out with? Wait, is there a song from my show that we can close out with and yes there is we're gonna close out with the song if you're gonna be dumb you gotta be tough oh, gosh by roger allen wade it's featured in every ja film uh it's it's the perfect anthem for the crazy uh stunts that these men do mm. if you're gonna be dumb you gotta be tough and with that we'll be back next month with our movies of 2001 and remember kids if you don't want to do your taxes there's always a poo cocktail, I suppose. If you're gonna be dumb, you gotta be tough. When you get knocked down, you gotta get back up. That's the way it is in life and love. If you're gonna be dumb, you gotta be tough. <laughs>